Welcome to your sanity safe space with your favorite YouTube podcast duo. Skag free, whoever he is. Get your quad fascist ass out of here! Saving the millennial generation in weekly installments. You are a terrific team on all counts. Live from a castle tower and his mother's basement, this, this is the Matt and Blonde Show. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international over depression. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why the fuck is the gas so hot? I thought about this as I was looking through the indictment last night. I've never heard of three cases on one individual in three jurisdictions. So this is serious. I mean, this is just as low as it gets. Listen to me, baby, that's all you gotta do. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history and how it will play out is going to be very important. The sad part about this to me is that one day our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? (laughs) Oh, man. You are fake news. You serious? You cannot be serious! Very fake. What the f*** is this? We're not paid actors. It really happens. Well, it's not my concern. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. <laughs> Fuck around and find out. It's not against the law, Fuck you. Oh, my God, bro! All right. America, go to the YouTube right now. Big ups to Rebecca for keeping Matt woke. Congratulations <laughs> to both of you. You're awesome. I, I can't do it. We'll do it live. We'll do it live! <laughs> Fuck it, we'll do it live! Hello and welcome to the show. It is a great show. It is a terrific show. It is a tremendous show. Frankly, the very best. You can ask anyone about that. People often do. I'm told this is the Matt and Blonde Show. My name is Matt Christensen. I'm flanked on my right, as always, by my wonderful co-host, Blonde. Welcome. Hello. Thank you for that delayed acknowledgement. Do you want to? No, the, the show just almost didn't happen. For classic because... reasons. Yes, please do share. Oh my God. Okay, so I get on my computer at normal time and everything like that. Uh-huh. And then uh, I cannot remember what my password is to log into the computer that I've been logging into at least twice a week for the last, I don't know, how long have I had this computer? Five years? Is Something like that, yeah. Just, just trying password after password, just freaking out. I like, I just got online like five minutes ago. It would have been the most classic chick tech delay to the show. Not that I've never had technical issues that have led to show delays and things like that, but forgetting your password to the computer that you've used no. for years. <clears throat> I didn't just change my password. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for not letting yourself off the hook. I, um, to start so the show, I had this whole speech prepared about how I, I, I think I'm finally starting to understand collapsitarianism and accelerationism Aha! a little bit better. And we that's because you. there are now these times where I watch American failure and I find great satisfaction in that. Mm. And in a strange way, it's actually pro-America sometimes. Like case in point, seeing the women's soccer team have their worst performance ever in, in this World Cup play, at least. Uh, and watching Megan Rapino and company cry their sorry asses off the field. Now, does enjoying that make me anti-America or does that make me solidly pro? Because they're the ones 
protesting the anthem. I don't know. But this was one of those experiences where it's like, why am I enjoying watching American failure? Well, it's not American failure. It's female failure. We can all get behind that, can we? (laughs) Well, in in particular, these women, certainly. They deserve it. Um, but it's it's weird to watch institutions fail and, and think, good, this is the way, more of this. But there is some truth to that when so many of our institutions are so deeply corrupted. And we might laugh at the women's soccer team, and don't worry, we'll get to that in a minute. But there are more significant cases of corruption to consider, of course, because yet another absurd stretch of an indictment against the former president has come down from special counsel Jack Smith, this time for Trump's conspiracy against the government on January 6th. We'll discuss that indictment and all the reaction to it. My favorite take you heard in the intro, Al Sharpton. Imagine if the founding fathers had tried to overthrow the government this way. And uh, we'll discuss some of the testimony of Devin Archer as well, Hunter Biden's business partner who was not epstein before his congressional testimony or Tucker interview this week. Later on, great interview. We have Sean and Rachel Bonet. They are the couple in Moscow, Idaho. Now, I've been informed... Not only did I pronounce their name wrong and when I said bonnet, I've been informed that it's Moscow, Idaho. Is that how you people yeah. say it? I'm, I'm sticking with Moscow. I don't care what you guys say. They get really mad about it. The the Moscowans, what's their what's their term, their know. denonym? Uh, I, Ida- yeah. Idahoans, just like the rest of us. They've come for me for saying Moscow. I've been informed they're not Russian. But anyway, this couple, they were arrested in 2024 Singing maskless at a church protest against lockdowns, they just won a settlement with the city for violating their constitutional rights. And so uh, we'll play their interview later where they discuss the case. And before we get out of here, a couple of cases of hoax hate or hoax hate adjacent items. One, uh, fraudulent racism data in academic studies. Plus, there's the curious case of a gay guy stabbed to death uh, on the New York City street, reportedly just for being gay. But I swear the footage shows some complicating factors at least one dangling floppy complicating factor i don't i don't not, know man i watched it a bunch of times it's really hard to tell i'm not saying for not saying a, a murder charge is absurd i'm just saying the idea that it was as simple as hey there's a gay guy let's get him no i don't think it's that simple um before yeah. we get out of here uh, tonight's movie review uh, review is raiders of the lost ark as well the indiana jones debut so Stick around. We'll catch up with your super chats in between topics as well. Ten bucks and up on the Sunday show because we are no good low down money grabbers. It will be all this and more in your favorite couple hours of listening material. Remember, you can find everything show related and support the show for as little as a buck a month over on the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. Listener support is hugely appreciated and it is what keeps the show operational. So if you enjoy the show, please consider supporting the show. We also have merchandise for sale on the site. Plus, we have offers from friendly listener-owned businesses as well. This week's feature business is our friends at Hero Soap Company. Do you love freedom? Do you love being clean? Then you'll love Hero Soap Company, made in the USA. Chemical and fragrance-free. A portion of each purchase donated to veteran and first responder charities. Initial subscription purchase is matched bar for bar and sent overseas to deploy troops. Let freedom clean. Hero Soap Company. That's right. When you try Hero Soap Company, not only are you getting a great smelling all natural product, not only can you subscribe and get soap straight to your door each month, 
but now you can get signature soaps designed by both of us. It's high time I promoted blonde soap in earnest. So please do try Oat Plus Almond, now available. It is the gentle exfoliation of oatmeal with a premium almond fragrance. Did you have any additional thoughts? Are those bumps? Do you have bumps in the back of your arms? Uh, I, I guess. I don't know. I guess I never tiny, thought about that. They're gone. Totally gone. Thanks yeah. to the gentle exfoliation. Or you No, know, I always swore I would never do this, but I legit love this soap. So you are con- you have converted yourself. You are using your own soap. No, no, I swear I would never have a sponsor or never shill for a product. But I swear to God, I love this soap so much. I've replaced all the soap in my house. Well, there you go. Yeah. Or if that doesn't suit your fancy, you can try my two classic offerings. Timberline is a frosty pine experience where the forest meets the peaks. There are various other chat jokes about that, but that is what it is officially. It's a woodsy scent with extra menthol for a high altitude cooling effect. Old West is the scent of sweet leather and oak barrels ready to bust open the saloon doors or, of course, try any of Hero Soap's other excellent offerings available in bar or liquid form and use promo code MCLISTENER for 10% off all Hero Soap products. That's 10% off our signature soaps, Oat Plus Almond, Timberline, and or Old West or any other products from Hero Soap Company using promo code MCLISTENER. And I've heard a rumor that Hero Soap is now offering shampoo and conditioner, you can Ooh. get 10% off that as well. Promo code MC In listener. a bar form. In a bar form. I don't know if there are future plans, but it's currently oh. available. Uh, find everything else you need from Hero Soap, plus other great deals from the rest of our friendly listener-owned businesses, including Western Razor Company, Kenny O Mountain Woodsmithing, Phoenix Ammunition, and more. That's at mattchristiansandmedia.com slash deals. Deals by listeners for listeners. Uh, if you are the sort of person who enjoys chat banter, speaking of uh, various soap jokes, perhaps you've heard the name Mojack420, who has been sending super chats into the show for quite some time. Well, he has mentioned this in the chat previously. Um, he was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in March, and he just started chemotherapy last month. In fact, he he chatted about that. I remember that. Uh, but if you would like to help Mojack cover some of his out-of-pocket medical costs, his Give, Send, Go campaign is linked to top of the description. The show has made a contribution, and of course, we wish Mojack easy treatment and a speedy recovery. Oh, I also have some news. Uh, we discussed it last Sunday. Monday was a big day for yours truly and my wife because we had the anatomical ultrasound for our new baby due December 18th, though... By the measurements, this is another sizable child, so perhaps it might be closer to Thanksgiving rather than Christmas. But I did a post on Twitter and YouTube already, so it's probably not surprising for a lot of you. But in case you missed the gender reveal, drumroll please. It is another boy. Congratulations, buddy. We don't uh, we don't have a name yet, but we are in discussions. All health signs for mom and baby are good. And uh, I, of course, I think it's going to be great to have two boys close in age. I do hope to raise a daughter, but uh, having the boys close together, I think we'll keep them closer uh, than if they were separated by several years. So we're, of course, enthusiastic to have a healthy kid either That's way. Awesome. But, yeah. Two boys, two girls. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's uh, fitting, I guess. One. Eventually, I think one of us is going to go the other direction, but we'll see. 
you are going to go because Bond's quitting. I forgot. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. Well, I mentioned it. Uh, I mentioned it moments ago, but in case you didn't see, um, it was a good run. And by that, I mean, it was the worst ever run for the otherwise <laughs> very confident U.S. women's soccer team at the World Cup. If you blinked, you probably missed their tour. They are already knocked out of the tournament after a loss to Sweden this weekend on penalty kicks. I'm going to use a lot of soccer terms here that I don't really understand, but I know they lost and I know they lost earlier than they should have. Famed blue haired equal pay savior Megan Rapino had a chance to get the team a goal on a penalty kick, but she missed the goal entirely from 10 or so yards away. In fact, my sources say that three of the U.S. team's seven penalty kicks missed the goal entirely. I gather they probably like aim for the corners. Maybe they don't aim dead center. <laughs> that sounds pretty bad to me, though. Like not even yeah. in the goal area on three of the seven kicks. The game was won after Sweden earned a goal because the, the U.S. goalkeeper couldn't make the save. U.S. goalkeeper got hands on the ball but wasn't able to keep it out of the goal. And so that ended the game. Here are Rapino's missed kick and the uh, final penalty kick to end the game. And because FIFA or whoever owns the copyright, I, it was hard to get this by YouTube's screening. So bear with me on uh, some odd presentation. Rapino, right foot's it over the bar. Hurting. Off there. Did it go in? So that technically went in and out. Just over the line. Wow. Sweden wins. Sports, sports, sports. Uh, the U.S. team, of course, was heavy favorites to repeat as tournament champions. This is their worst ever tournament por- uh, performance, apparently. After the game, Megan Rapino called her performance a sick joke, as in her missed penalty kick there. And when asked what she'll remember the most about her career, because as we discussed previously, she's now retiring, she said fans chanting equal pay. I mean, this is like a sick joke. For me personally, I'm just like, this is dark comedy. I missed a penalty. When you reflect on the impact you've made on this team, is there a memory that stands out to you right now in this moment? Probably equal pay chance um, after the final. They were saying equal pay, but could have been saying a lot of things. I think this team has always fought for so much more, and uh, that's been the most rewarding part for me, of course, playing in World Cups and winning championships and doing all that. But... um, you know, to know that we've used our really special talent to do something, you know, that's really like changed the world forever. Oh, <laughs> God, change the world forever. They also uh, changed their wallets after this loss. That's the great irony. Oh, we want we we achieved equal pay. Wow. Um, actually, they're not going to be getting equal pay because they lost. And so they're losing out on a ton of money. The winners of the tournament will take home $4.3 million for their association and $270,000 per player. I haven't seen exact numbers for this finish. The U.S. uh, was one of the 16 teams in this tournament, so I'm not sure what they take away. But it's going to be something... That's too much money. (laughs) It's it's a higher percentage of the revenues than the men get. I mean, statistically or numerically, you're you're not wrong on that comparatively. Um, it sounds like the U.S. women are going to take home something closer to $1.5 million for their association and $30,000 per player. 
So yes, Megan, congratulations on your equality. That is drastically lower than it has been or would have been in the previous years. You actually focused on the sport and won. I think Megan's next cause will be eliminating eliminating pay disparity among winners and losers. They do the same job per her logic. They do the exact same job. Why should they be paid differently? I think she deserves yeah. the same amount of money as the people who actually win the tournament. And then maybe she's going to eliminate the pay gap between the has been retirees and the active players. Cause I think she still deserves to get paid like everybody else, even if she doesn't work. Cause after all she blazed this trail into women's soccer. She changed the world forever. Of course, um, none of that's going to happen. That would be ridiculous. Instead, they're just going to deflect all valid criticism of this underperforming team as sexism. Look for that in the uh, news commentary over the next week or so. Well, that's not actually important news. What is important news is Obama gay. And how does it relate to his mysteriously dead chef in the paddleboarding incident? Not at all. But is he gay? Yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Obama confirmed homosexual. It sounds like no, seriously though, this is really suggestive. So <clears throat> this guy that wrote a biography about Obama, David Garrow in 2017, this book was widely praised by people on the left. He, he did an interview, um, with tablets, David Samuels, this, this long Q and a, and they were talking, there were some revelations in this, but the, the one that everybody's talking about, he was discussing Obama's girlfriend at Occidental College, and he revealed that when the girlfriend showed him letters from Barack, she had redacted a paragraph and just claimed that uh, that part is about homosexuality. Yeah. Just in general. Yeah. Okay, but but then these these letters were curated, and they're at Emory, and nobody lets them take a photo, and so everybody's like, okay, what what was it about homosexuality? Um, so apparently this Harvey Claire character, he had to sit there with a pencil and copy out the graphs, uh, where Barack writes to his girlfriend about how he fantasizes about having sex with men. Okay. So apparently somebody did see this in addition to the girlfriend. Does this surprise anybody? Uh, no, this, this brings it all together. This explains Michael Robinson perfectly. Yeah. So, I am not necessarily surprised, but uh, I, I, I have not read this full interview. My wife was all about it for like an entire day this week because it's 16,000 words or something. This thing is yeah. a novel about Obama. And this guy, it, it, this reads like sort of um, um, like celebrity gossip tabloid type stuff. But this guy is probably I mean, he is the foremost biographer of Barack Obama. This guy has done well-respected work. He's on the work. left, too. Yeah. He's not, this is not like some smear piece. And he wrote a biography about MLK and yeah, this, this wasn't a smear piece. He's just reporting the facts. That dude's gay. That Barack Obama had to cover it up. Major bag confirmed. <laughs> enter big Mike. Well, uh, back to uh, Senate olds watch. Of course, last week we watched this clip of Diane Feinstein unable to say I when directed by her staff. <laughs> she couldn't do it. Now uh, she's given power of attorney to her, also elderly daughter. Can you believe this? Her daughter is 66. Catherine Feinstein. So yeah, she's handed over power of attorney to her daughter, 66 year old daughter. That's when you know you're too old when yeah. you have a daughter who's also elderly. 
when your daughter is over retirement age, you should retire. Yeah. Yeah. So the claim is that this is to help handle legal battles over her late husband, Richard Bloom's estate, because his children and her daughter are in some sort of um, war for money. And then she needs money to help cover her medical expenses. Uh, But, you know, she's the oldest member of Congress and uh, she clearly doesn't know what's going on. So she can sign over power of attorney, but then still have congressional power. Explain that one to me. Uh, yeah. You don't have the co- a cognitive power to make decisions for yourself, but you do have the capacity to make decisions for the entire country effectively, at least in yeah. your capacity as senator. <clears throat> anyway. Um, all right. Uh, also an update on the uh, the pistol brace rule. Biden's pistol brace rule is moving its way through the federal courts, and it looks more and more like this thing is going to go down easily, much like his other obviously unconstitutional moves like the eviction moratorium and the OSHA vaccine mandate and the student loan bailout and all the others. Now recall, as we've discussed earlier this year, the ATF decided that pistol braces, which are rubber or uh, plastic pieces attached to the butt end of a a short-barreled gun that assist in stabilizing the shot. And that for the past decade, the ATF have said, uh, the ATF has said are, are perfectly legal and not stocks that would make uh, the weapon an illegal, unregistered short-barreled rifle. Well, the ATF changed that rule with a convoluted set of criteria to say that sometimes, actually, guns with these pistol braces attached actually do count as short-barreled rifles with stocks, not because the law has changed, but just because the ATF says so now. And uh, we have all had the choice to register these guns or surrender them and destroy them, or destroy them, rather, or just uh, say no. And it looks like saying no was the correct answer. This week, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the ATF did not give the public a sufficient chance to weigh in on the rule change in violation of the Administrative Procedure Act. Now, I was hoping they would say LOL C2A, but we're going to be all technical about this. This week, um, well, it uh, it was Judge Jerry Smith noted that the ATF Um, did provide a public comment period on the proposed rule in 2021, but the final rule is so different from the proposal originally that it amounted to a rug pull on the public. So by federal law, they have to allow a certain amount of time for the public to offer comment on any proposed rule changes. They did that a couple of years ago when the rule was not in its final form. And so they're saying, well, technically that's a violation of what federal law requires for public input. Bunch of technical nonsense. Much more important pieces here are that this is a blatant violation of the Second Amendment and the separation of powers since Congress makes laws, not ATF bureaucrats uh, at their whims. But in any case, the appeals court did not uh, block enforcement of the rule. Instead, they sent it back to the district court in Dallas, and that judge will decide whether to issue an order blocking enforcement while the case proceeds. The the court previously blocked, uh, blocked enforcement against members of the organizations bringing the challenge like firearms policy coalition whether a broader enforcement block is issued or not i still have not heard a single story of the atf trying to enforce this rule on anybody so far it took effect in june theoretically even if there is no new block i think this thing is dead worst case it it gets appealed to the supreme court where i think for many reasons it will not stand just another reminder of how many times Joe Biden and company have openly and intentionally violated the Constitution. This will become relevant later when we talk about the former president, president supposedly undermining the Constitution. 
how frequently this administration just blatantly does it because they don't care while they tell us that they're the ones actually upholding it and yep. saving it. Yeah. Now, these days, uh, pretty much anything counts as like a, a call to genocide or, you know, generic hate speech or racism or whatever. Um, even the Hitler, like per the Hitler drawing kid, I don't appreciate you. It has in some context been called a, uh, a hateful, like a, a piece of hate speech. It's a hateful slogan. Maybe even a call to genocide, depending who you, depending on who you ask. But um, it is always very telling when the same people who insist that such innocent things or jokes uh, are clearly very dangerous, like the smuggler meme. Those same people will turn around and tell you that a political leader chanting to a massive crowd to kill a group of people on account of their race actually... Mm. You're just misunderstanding. That's not supposed to be taken literally. It's not exactly new. He's been doing it for years. I know I've seen a million clips of this Julius Malema fellow just clarifying. No, I, I want to kill white people there. He's been saying it for decades. Um, but this is in South Africa. This guy leads a South African political party, a leftist political party. And, and at this event in this rally in Johannesburg last weekend, they chanted kill the boar. Boer, of course, refers to white South Africans, generally of uh, Dutch heritage. Kill the poor, the farmer. Kill the poor, the farmer. Brr, pa, pa, brr, pa, pa. Is that supposed to be the sound of a machine gun? Is that what he's doing or am I misunderstanding? Oh, no, you get it. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Kill the uh, boars so that we can all starve to death. Yeah, I don't okay. think this is going to work out well. It's um, fine. Now, of course, the story, at least according to the New York Times, the New York Times coverage, you think this the headline would be, "Wow, uh, political leader literally calls for genocide." No, is this, it not? The story, as always, is conservatives pounce, conservatives react. Headline New York Times, Kill the Boar Song Fuels Backlash in South Africa and USC. It's the backlash that's the news, not the actual call to racial violence. Uh, subheading, right-wing commentators claim that an old anti-apartheid chant is a call to anti-white violence? But historians and the left-wing politician who embraces it say it should not be taken literally. Oh, okay, I see. See, Julius Malema, the guy doing the chant there, he only wants to take white owned land and give it to black South Africans. He doesn't want oh, to, okay, okay. he doesn't want to kill the whites. Now, if the white people maybe resist the seizure of that land, I don't know what's going to happen, but that's not his intent. His intent is just to take their property. It's way different. Oh, yeah. Um, white people have got to get out of there. The chance, uh, the other context, the chant was born at a time when black South Africans were facing a violent racist regime and so apparently it's perfectly justified for them to long for a violent racist, uh, racist regime. Says a historian quoted in the story, kill the boar doesn't mean kill individual farmers. It's just a call to mobilize against an oppressive system, even though that system doesn't exist anymore. And only about 7% of the country is white. So that's a really good white privilege when you think about it. White privilege still wins when you're under 10% of the population. Really good oppressing skills by these white farmers in South Africa. Got to hand it to them. You can see the context, right? That's not... 
it's just well, what are they going to do? They're going to have to all <laughs> all go go to Russia, right? Oh, I don't know. Uh, I, yeah, if I was a um, if I was a pale farm owner in South Africa and I heard that, I would uh, I would be thinking about some plans for an alternative livelihood. But easier said well, than it's done. So outrageous, you know? though. Where are they supposed to go? It's outside of Russia. It's like we can take every Indian and Mexican, but we can't take these four and a half million self sufficient white people. Why? Uh, well, I, I, when you think about it, if we bring in more farmers, then we're just going to need more illegals to do the berry picking and stuff. So <laughs> it's not as easy as it sounds. It's fine. If they kill all these white people, all the boars, and then they all starve to death, nobody better do nothing <laughs> when all these Africans are starving to death. I swear to God, if I see some Sarah McLaughlin commercial, <laughs> people are sending a dollar a month to a starving African. I'm going to lose my mind. You can feed one Julius Malema. <laughs> For just a quarter a month. No, <laughs> I, I I don't think you're being fair to Indian immigrants, though, because they really do have their utility, at least in California. Okay, they're fighting crime. Yeah. These these um these Seven Eleven workers in Stockton, they should really use the same defense. We weren't trying to kill the robber; we were just trying to fight back against an oppressive system. And actually, the truth is, that's true. It's not too far off from that. <laughs> Uh, we have seen, of course, story after story of various business owners taking matters into their own hands at their stores um, when they are repeatedly robbed, often by the same people, and police do little to intervene and prosecutors refuse to hold these thieves accountable. Well, don't mess with the Indians at 7-Eleven. They will beat you into a Slurpee. In Stockton, California, two 7-Eleven workers watched a masked robber load a garbage can full of cigarettes and other merchandise. A third man, apparently a customer, filmed the incident and commented, the two 7-Eleven workers restrained the suspect, hold him down, and beat him with a stick of some sort while he begs for mercy. And I would think that Neil Mohan, the new YouTube CEO, would be all in favor of justice for Indians, but I guess not. I spent probably an hour this morning trying to come up with a version of this clip that he would allow me to show on YouTube, but I had to heavily distort and censor it. Even the audio. Oh, such a bummer. I had to distort. Because it's so good. I watched that video like five times. Just well, him beating it with a stick. We can't show any of that. This is the best presentation that I can give you. Of course, you can find it on your own. It's all over. I will link the original clip in the uh, description after the show. But here's what I can show you. But it's nothing you can do. It's okay. not, they're not gonna do nothing. There's nothing I can do. You just have to just find out. You have a and nothing you can do, man, until the police come in. Hey, hey, no, you, hey, don't, hey. And nothing you can do, man. Don't do that. Don't do that, man. Don't do that. Whooping your ass. Whooping your ass. Okay, okay. You done? Yeah, I'm done. Are you done? Hey, 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 hey. Are you done? I'm done. Okay. Hey, okay. No, no, no. He wasn't done. Don't do that, okay? okay? They shoot you. Bro, can I get a soda? Please. Well, what kind of shit you telling me and you do this shit? And you want a soda? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Classic. Uh, he just lays on the ground crying while they beat him with a stick. It's... Excellent. Now, the soda moment may seem entitled, and it is, but I got to say, he's kind of learned his lesson. Now he's politely asking for the property with a please instead of just taking it with impunity. He really has learned a thing or two. 
the entire beating lasts a few minutes. It's not as quick as I uh, presented it there. And um, it's abbreviated in the video we saw. It's actually five minutes long. Yeah, it goes on for a while. Uh, instead of bipty cents in this case, it's bipty lashes. That's how long it took. <laughs> uh, more of this. I'm I'm all yeah. in favor of it. This is great. And um, according to reporting after the fact, because, uh, uh, well, I... I was thinking in my head, not only are they never going to go after that robber, but they're probably going to go after these uh, Indian 7-Eleven guys for something. That's exactly they are. what's happening. But um, some more context here. The robber is believed to have robbed the store two other times within the same 24-hour period. Uh, when the two employees confronted the robber, the robber threatened to shoot them. In fact, uh, in one of these other encounters, he apparently made reference to a gun or threatened uh, an employee with a fake gun. That's confirmed in the video they have a discussion with him and he it, it's discovered he does not in fact have a gun. He was lying about that. Now later reporting says the police actually tended to the robber after he left the store and the robber told them he, he did not know if he was assaulted. He just got mysteriously injured. So if I understand this correctly, not only did police not arrest him when they had this discussion with him, they apparently helped his boo-boos. They might've bandaged him up a little bit. And, they and did, yeah. I get it. When you're an emergency responder, it's your job to help everybody in need. But no police did, though. You would think that uh, a little bit of investigation here would maybe lead to the arrest of this man. Well, uh, they called. What are they supposed to do? They call the cops, I think more than once on this guy. And then he threatens them with a gun multiple times. And then he comes in and just starts robbing them with impunity. Yeah. And, and the police don't come. And they're like, well, what am I supposed to do? These people, immigrants from India, I assume... Um, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to allow their per personal property. They're supposed to whoop his ass. Like to, the guy said, Yeah, <laughs> they're like, listen, we can't have you taking all this. We're going to be destitute. We, we're just going to have to beat you with a stick like we did in India. And it, and it actually happen. is. I know it's silly to say this is gentle, but circumstances considered the guy is threatening to shoot them and giving the impression that he has a oh, gun. Yeah. If they shot him dead, if I would not have him, a problem I'd be like, with this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. To and get, he's got a little <laughs> stick beating. Who yeah. Cares? And he Walk learned off, his lesson. Buddy. He's going to get a second chance. He should be grateful for that. Nothing's going to happen to this robber. And then they're going to charge these two guys with assault, though. So Seriously, no, that's what's going to happen. No charges for them yet, but just an investigation launched. Is that the status? Yeah. Stockton police said they're investigating the assault uh, of the two by the two workers. And they're, they haven't released any conclusions, but um, they're going to be forwarding the findings to San Joaquin County District Attorney for review and deciding whether or not they want to charge them. Outrageous. No, the, yeah. the, it's like when we were talking about this on Skype earlier, the police should be um, putting putting this video up on their social media. The DA should be putting this video See? up on his social media. Don't try it. This will happen if yeah. you do. Don't try it. Yep. Okay. Well, uh, we'll keep an eye on that story, of course, because it'll be outrageous if they end up charging these 7-Eleven workers. But uh, it's cases like that have happened before. Anything else before we hop into the major news of the Trump January 6th indictment? Um, I suddenly have to pee really bad. Oh. I can't wait. You're going to have to take a little break. Well, let me go through it and then right. we Sorry. can talk about BRB. it when we get back. God, um, I'm really almost screwing the show up like a lot. The, the, uh, the baby's pushed on the bladder. I get it. Uh, very little surprise here, at least very little surprise compared to what was in that Target letter from special counsel Jack Smith that Trump had posted about on Truth Social and the details of which uh, the New York Times described through leaky anonymous sources we uh, never care to investigate or identify, it seems. 
On Tuesday, Jack Smith filed the indictment formally, accusing Trump of four felony charges as they relate to his conduct leading up to and on January 6th, conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to obstruct an official proceeding, obstruction of and attempt to obstruct an official proceeding, and conspiracy against rights. On Thursday, Trump pleaded not guilty at his arraignment in D.C., and then he went back home. Now, without boring you through a full read of the indictment, the general idea is this. Trump made false claims about election fraud, and Trump knew they were false. And so by pushing these false claims and pressuring people to act on them, Trump was engaging in a purposeful, intentional, corrupt uh, conspiracy to stop the legal transfer of power. And that is not a cynical reading of it. Notice in the indictment itself, Jack Smith repeatedly uses the word knowingly when describing Trump's state of mind as it relates to election fraud. Uh, and, and he so he repeatedly says Trump Trump knew Trump made knowingly false claims about um, about instances of election fraud. And that's because uh, for this to be some sort of crime beyond just voicing your opinion and using legal methods of filing challenges and addressing grievances, Trump would have to be intentionally deceiving. And as we'll get to even that, even if he is intentionally deceiving, even that is quite the stretch given uh, Supreme Court First Amendment case law. But that's the that's the case. That's the theory that Jack Smith will make. And that's what they're trying to say will separate these charges from what would otherwise be considered constitutionally protected speech. Trump wasn't just voicing his opinion. He was engaged in a deceptive scheme to disrupt the rule of law and the transfer of power. For that to be the case, Trump would have to know what he's doing. And that's why knowingly is perhaps the most repeated word in this entire indictment. The evidence that Trump knew he was lying and was intentionally lying is mostly a series of pieces of uh, advice he received. Various lawyers, members of Congress, members of his staff telling him there was no outcome altering fraud or um, disagreeing with the the theory, this uh, sort of fringe legal theory they were advancing that Mike Pence had the legal authority to stop the certification of the vote on January 6th. But of course, lots of people tell you stuff every day. You don't necessarily believe everything that you hear. Just because someone tells me A doesn't mean I believe A. I might believe the opposite in B. So that's one of many problems with this um, with this particular case. But uh, just to, to, to break down some of the issues or the problems that I think in a legally honest world, this case would encounter were it in any venue outside of D.C., there are some considerations here. Uh, number one, it's almost impossible to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. These are intent crimes. And to demonstrate that intent, prosecutors are going to have to show that Trump knew he was lying. To do that, they're going to presumably they'll need either record of statements to that effect from Trump or they'll need some witness to testify. No, no, I heard Trump say, I know I'm lying, but I don't care because I'm committing a scheme. Something like that. Um. So as far as we've seen so far, they don't have that. But of course, we don't necessarily know everything they have at this point. There are First Amendment considerations galore. As Jonathan Turley writes over the weekend, uh, Jack Smith is going to have to bulldoze through not just the First Amendment, but existing case law holding that even false statements are protected speech. The government acknowledges that the Constitution protects false statements made in campaigns. Even if prosecutors can show that Trump knew he was lying 
which itself I think is going to be difficult to prove, they're still in trouble with existing First Amendment case law. In the 2012 case, U.S. versus Alvarez, the Supreme Court upheld a political candidate's First Amendment right to lie about his military record. This guy was running for some local office and he said, yeah, I'm a, I retired from the Marine Corps 25 years ago and I received a Medal of Honor. <laughs> it's like, if you're going to lie about your military service, the Medal of Honor might be not the uh, not the most advisable yeah. lie because that's pretty easily verifiable. Uh, and he was caught. He was charged under federal law at the time that uh, criminalized that. The Supreme Court um, said that Congress went too far in criminalizing that sort of lie. So maybe you want to just try to draw some distinctions here between what Trump was doing and what this character Alvarez was doing and lying about his military career. Point is, at least as it stands now, the Supreme Court has said, yeah, it, it, even in, in the context of a political campaign or in this case, kind of a, a legal legal cases adjacent to a political campaign, you have a First Amendment right to lie. Jack Smith says, not if it's pursuant to some corrupt scheme to take over the government. So, you know, anyway, the other the other problem with this uh, with this case is it, it appears to be criminalizing novel legal theories. Part of the case against Trump is his pressure on Mike Pence to stop the certification on January 6th. Again, under this constitutional interpretation that the vice president holds that power. Smith says that Trump knew that was legally bunk. But advancing new legal theories through the legal process, even against the advice of experienced lawyers, that is not a crime. Joe Biden does that all the time. All presidents do that all the time. Joe Biden, his lawyers told him the eviction moratorium was yeah. illegal. He did it anyway. His lawyers told him the student loan bailout was illegal. He did it anyway. The list goes on. Is Joe Biden committing a conspiracy against the United States every time he does this? Or is he saying, oh, I'm going to test out a legal theory and see how it goes? Now, one could argue that Jack Smith himself is com is committing a conspiracy against the United States by this logic, since he himself is relying on novel legal theories in this case. Smith is citing a post-Civil War law intended to stop the Klan from physically, violently blocking black people from voting. Um, and, and he's trying to say under that law that Trump somehow denied your constitutional right to vote by questioning the results and exhausting legal options. That was not the intent of the law, has never been the intent of the law. Law has never been applied that way, with the exception of getting that uh, vote for Hillary by text meme guy, Douglas Mackey, a.k.a. Ricky Vaughn, a few months ago. But yeah, Jack Smith himself is testing out novel legal theories here. Trump's novel legal theories are criminal in nature. Jack Smith's, uh, draw your own conclusions about why those aren't. Um, another complication or consideration is any politicians knowing lie a conspiracy against the government or rights. I mean, this is an insanely dangerous standard, as Turley notes in this. Uh, Wouldn't that be something? Well, it's, if we could prosecute that. Yeah, I mean, it sets up the federal government as, as an arbiter of truth. Anyone who denies the federal government's truth will face legal consequences. That's the exact opposite of our First Amendment design. One could argue that Jack Smith himself lies, at least by omission in this indictment. Alan Dershowitz was making this point. Uh, he, he's, he's lying by omission with the intent of depriving Donald Trump of his constitutional rights. That sounds like a violation of that post-Civil War KKK law to me. On page 39, Smith highlights Trump's January 6th speech, noting he said, quote, We fight. We fight like hell. And if you don't fight like hell, you're not going to have a country anymore. 
Notably, Smith omitted the part where Trump said people should protest peacefully and patriotically. There are also just the political considerations that a weak case against a political rival should probably get some deference for the benefit of the stability of the country. Unless you want perpetual banana republic nonsense, if a president's DOJ is going to bring charges against his leading political rival, you better have video of him killing oh, a yeah. guy in cold. You better have video of him beating him with a stick like it's a 7-Eleven. Um, if there's any doubt in the case whatsoever, and, and there's plenty in this case, that is going to risk massive political destabilization. Some might say that's the point. There's also a, a claim of some exculpatory evidence that Jack Smith either missed or is purposefully ignoring. Uh, Tim, I don't know how to say his last name, Parlator. This is an attorney for former uh, New York City Police Commissioner Bernard Carrick. He tells CBS that Smith's office has within thousands of pages of records turned over by Carrick exculpatory evidence, as in evidence that would support Donald Trump's innocence. What exactly that evidence is and why Smith hasn't disclosed it isn't specified. But according to this lawyer, the documents bear directly on the essential element of whether whether Rudy Giuliani and therefore Trump knew that the claims of election fraud were false. Good faith reliance upon claims of fraud, even if they later turn out to be false, is very different from pushing fraud claims that you know to be false at the time. Um, another thing to know about this indictment of course, as we'll get to politically, it's just going to be linked to January 6th. And it's going to be referenced as though Donald, Donald Trump um, caused or incited the, uh, the attack on the Capitol. The indictment does not say that it does not say that Trump organized the mob. It does not say that Trump encouraged the mob it does not say that Trump incited the mob for now. That appears to be a major concession that the prosecution can't prove that case. One would assume that's why it's not in there. Cynically though, perhaps they know it's going to be interpreted in the public that way anyway. And since the political interpretation is a big piece of what they're after, that's, that's good enough, but it is possible just like Jack's uh, Jack Smith's corresponding classified documents case that more charges are coming. Julie Kelly, who has done a mountain of thorough January 6th reporting says she has little doubt that Jack Smith will add a seditious conspiracy indictment for Trump later. This is what the DOJ did to the proud boys and to the oath keepers founder. She notes that Trump was a big piece of those convictions with prosecutors arguing that Trump um, Trump's stand back and stand by comments to the Proud Boys from the debate stage in 2020. That was a call to action that the Proud Boys heeded. So to the extent Come on. that yeah, I mean, that's that's going to be weak. But now it's time to get to what will probably be the determining factor here, because you can you can poke all kinds of holes in this case. And I think Jack Smith probably knows that that this case is flawed, if not legally bunk. Um, but there's the law as it's written and intended. And then there's a law, there's the law as interpreted and applied by a DC judge uh, and a DC jury. And so in DC, you're not going to find a single person who doesn't know who Trump is and almost certainly has a very strong negative opinion of him. And even more than just the political incentive of like, I hate Trump politically. Think of the massive financial incentive. Imagine the book deal that you're going to get if you're a Trump juror who was part of the jury that convicted him. Yeah. Talk about a conflict of interest. Uh, and it certainly doesn't help that the, the case is going to be handled under the oversight of Judge Tanya Chutkan. I don't know how to pronounce her last name, if you do, but uh, 
This is the judge they insist. Random selection. Luck of the draw. Oh, Can't sure. believe it. Yeah. What do we know about uh, her? Do you know the history on this chick? I this know that she doesn't wild. like January 6th people. She really doesn't like them. Yeah. She sentenced at least 38 people convicted of capital riot related crimes. All 38 received prison terms ranging from 10 days to over five years. Other judges that have handled these cases, um, they typically had sentences that were pretty lenient or they just went along with those that were requested by prosecutors. She, however, matched or exceeded prosecutors' recommendations in 19 of her 38 sentences. And in four of those cases, prosecutors weren't seeking any jail time at all. <laughs> she gave it to them anyway. In half the cases, yeah. she went beyond what the prosecutors were asking for. Uh, that is insane. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, this is a quote from her, the psycho bitch. Uh, Every day we're hearing about reports of anti-democratic factions of people plotting violence, the potential threat of violence in 2024. It has to be made clear that trying to violently overthrow the government, trying to stop the peaceful transition of power and assaulting law enforcement officers in that effort is going to be met with absolutely certain punishment. Oh, great. Yep. Well, Speaking of what is likely to be uh, some biased treatment here, uh, prosecutors on Friday alerted the judge to uh, Trump's social media post. They're now seeking a protective order, as in to make Trump shut up by court order and to limit what evidence can be shared publicly, as in, uh, I assume in their aim, none. Following his arraignment, Trump posted on Truth Social, if you go after me, I'm coming for you. Prosecutors say this is a reference to the people involved in this case, which could be a threat uh, to them or or witness intimidation. Trump says uh, the post actually had nothing to do with the case. Instead, it's about his political opposition. Generally, the prosecution is seeking to stop Trump from sharing discovery evidence publicly. The judge has given Trump's legal team until 5 p.m. Monday to respond. Trump's team asked for a three day extension, which was denied by the judge. So you can probably guess how that's going to go. End of day tomorrow. In another uh, another oddity here, but uh, well, whatever transparency you may lose pre-trial, if there's some sort of uh, protective order, you're going to gain it at the trial because Democrats want to scrap the federal court norm of no cameras and televise the proceeding. Two dozen House Democrats have sent a letter to the administrative office of the U.S. courts requesting that Trump's trial be authorized to be televised asserting that it is crucial for transparency, and I'm sure they want the benefit of some Trump outburst or something. Uh, I'm all in favor of this. I want to watch and listen to their case. Most importantly, I want to hear the prosecution's witnesses cross-examined. So, sure, I'm tuning in. Uh, Are you going to watch if they do? I don't know. I guess I have to because of my show. (laughs) <laughs> but uh they would they would do something like this right i think it's not going to work in their favor though they must they have to have their reasons so and i don't i don't buy that transparency is their reason so i feel like there's something but you I'm know missing. who would love this more than anybody else uh, trump. oh trump, trump would love it yeah absolutely he's gonna love this like i i genuinely don't understand what they expect i mean but you're, you must be right about the trump outburst i don't know why else they would there's got to be some trap that they have set here because on principle i have no opposition to this but i also know that they're the transparency is not what they're trying to achieve. It's not what they want. Yeah. So there's something he's good, on, he's good in these situations though. Well, I, w- I would imagine that he's going to shut the hell up the entire time unless they put him on the stand, but that'll be his yeah. defense attorneys. I mean, I guess it's, I guess it's up to him, but I mean, uh, it's definitely going to be up to him because he, uh, he defies he would his, want to go he, on the stand. I'm sure. I think he probably would. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll find out. Um, we don't have to wait for the political show, though, because the political show is already well underway. 
My favorite reaction is the absolute dumbest of takes unironically posted by MSNBC as though this isn't a hugely stupid thing to say. Reverend Al Sharpton reacting to the indictment says, this is American history in the making. Can you imagine if we were to read about James Madison or Thomas Jefferson trying to overthrow the government? I grew up and started my activism in a section of Brooklyn called Brownsville and walking to the subway many mornings, some of the guys in the neighborhood would say, Rev, I caught a case. I have never walked down that block and somebody said, I caught three cases. I mean, this is just as low as it gets. I've never heard of three cases on one individual in three jurisdictions. So this is serious. But on the other side of it, one day our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government so they could stay in power? That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history and how it will play out is going to be very important. People really think that that's what's going on here. I mean, I can't, I can't imagine that even people on the left think that that's what's going on. That he tried to overthrow the government in the same way that the uh, American Revolution was an overthrow of government. Yeah, that that's uh, preposterous. FDR had four terms. Also, if we're talking about power grabs, the Democrats clearly have that area covered. Oh no, no, that and was. Then what about Biden? Th- as we'll get to, that was saving the country. FDR consolidated. Oh, okay, totally. Power. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's just so preposterous. And then the idea that Trump is the same as some like low level black criminal, like this is all just the same <laughs> stuff. Like, I was going to say the, the, uh, the obvious point is preposterous. OK, yeah. Thomas Jefferson, famously author of the Declaration of Independence, James Madison, uh, author of the Constitution. Uh, yeah, they did overthrow the government. We all get that. And the defenders of Sharpton will say, well, you got to pay attention to that second part, overthrow the government to maintain their own power or achieve their own power. Yeah, I noticed that uh, Thomas Jefferson was what the third president of the United States. Madison was fourth. So they did kind of achieve their own personal power through that government overthrow. Did they not? Right. Anyway, that even take that out. I'm laughing (laughs) to your point. I'm laughing how I'm supposed to believe that Al Sharpton has walked the hood and never encountered a man with three separate cases against him. Never happened. Yeah. Not once. Totally. He's never seen a man with three separate criminal cases. I just um, watched The Wire. People get three separate cases thrown at them at the same time. And, well, yeah. And it's like in three separate jurisdictions. Okay. If I'm going to grant to you that this is an unprecedented form of prosecution, is that because this is an unprecedented criminal? This all just came together at the same time somehow, even though some of these crimes, like in the Stormy alleged crimes, like the Stormy Daniels case, they, they dates back what over a decade at this point. That's like 15 mm-hmm. years ago that all of these cases yeah. just came together right now because Trump is just that criminal. Are we looking at unprecedented crimes or unprecedented prosecutorial aggression? I think there's a pretty oh, obvious yeah, I know. answer. Uh, what that. was it that Chuck Schumer said? Like uh, these alphabet agencies, they have ways of getting back at you. The intelligence agents like oh, they, yeah. they knew that this is going to happen. It's, yeah. it's excess of prosecution. It has nothing to do with Trump's crime. Well, um, we've we've heard the occasional January 6th comparison to 9-11. That's not necessarily new. <laughs> But celebrity D.C. police officer Michael Fanone reacted to the indictment on CNN with a more personal comparison. Donald Trump is just like Osama bin Laden himself. When I first learned about the indictment, I had a long conversation with a friend of mine, Ryan Riley. I told him how proud I felt to be an American 
at that moment, much in the way that I did uh, when I learned that uh, our military had killed Osama bin Laden. These two um, seem incredibly to proud you? to have been. I'm sorry, I don't want to cut you off, but the, why, why, are that, why that comparison <clears throat> in particular? I believe they're comparable. Osama bin Laden was a terrorist who committed a horrific act against American people and against our republic. And I believe that Donald Trump is a terrorist who committed horrific acts against the American people. You can imagine that that is a very eyebrow-raising statement, to say the least. The yeah, because it's retarded. Osama bin Laden, <laughs> the comparison to Donald Trump. I, I think that the only person or people whose view matters uh, with regards to this indictment uh, are the jurors who will eventually be sat. Hmm. I do think Osama bin Laden is a misunderstood historical figure. Just like Donald so. Trump. <laughs> I know, he's right? So to, maybe he's onto something. He's onto it. <laughs> Even if this no name, like if this no name CNN anchor is is pushing back on your leftist delusion, you've you've gone yeah, too far. Yeah, you've that's gone too good, far. It's a good indicator. It's like saying, um, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer and your local juvenile delinquent who stole a candy bar. They're similar in that they're both criminals. Well, there is a there's a degree of difference, one might say. Um, but yes. a subtle point: how revealing is it when he says the only people whose opinion of the indictment uh, matters are the jurors? Really? Like, I mean, like what we think doesn't matter at all. Like the American voters opinion doesn't matter on, on who should be president of the United States here. It's another way of saying the opinion, the opinion of millions of voters across the country. Those don't matter. Central D.C. power should be able to eliminate candidates from contention that that central D.C. power does not like. Democracy. Yep. Uh, Michael Beschloss. Uh, of no concern, oh, it seems, up. as you Sorry. read this. Sorry for the what? play there. I, I opened oh, the. I, I didn't get any. Yeah, you won't hear it, but I opened the um the web browser window and it was like SE Cup or someone like that speaking in my ear. Probably not. She's not on MSNBC, right? Someone on MSNBC. Anyway, over on MSNBC, famed presidential historian Michael Beschloss, he says comparing January 6th to 9-11, that's not enough. It's actually just like the Civil War and the Great Depression and World War II and 9-11. From time to time, America faces faces threats from monsters who want to destroy our democracy. That happened in 1861. Abraham Lincoln and you know northern soldiers and northern voters came to our rescue, saved the Union. The same to thing happened in 1933. Franklin Roosevelt came to power, saved our economic system. Pearl oh. Harbor, 1941. We were bombed. 9-11, 2001. Osama bin Laden and other terrorists hated our democracy, tried to destroy it. You see where I'm going. Donald Trump, just like those other threats to American democracy, tried to destroy our system. It almost happened. And the thing is, it's almost happening again this morning. Who is the Republican front row? Donald Trump threatening to do it all again, but even more effectively mm -hmm. saying he's going to institute a presidential dictatorship. OK, he's right about some things. There are singular forces that have been trying to destroy this country since its inception. I, I can get on board with that. Um, also, uh, a lack of understanding and agreement about constitutional values has clearly precipitated some of these issues. So he's right about those two things. Everything else, totally wrong. Specifics, uh, maybe some disagreement. Yeah. Who is responsible what is he talking? for Abraham the Lincoln? <laughs> Abraham Lincoln single-handedly destroyed the Union. Well, 
So I, I don't I don't know what and then this FDR thing saving the economy like yeah. I, I just can't with these people. I know that there are competing opinions on Lincoln. And so I will uh, try to do right by those. And I understand the moral dispute over slavery. Of course, I will note that this guy's heroes of the Republic, whether it's Lincoln, FDR or Jack Smith, who is comparable, apparently. What is their common theme? Their common theme is centralizing power in D.C. and reducing power previously held to the states. And that's how he gets Hmm. twisted in this logic knot of democracy itself is at stake if Donald Trump is democratically elected. Once again, the state of democracy is in peril if the people have their way. So central D.C. power must intervene to stop it and save the day. How democratic of him. Oh, yeah. It's uh, these people. Now he's saving the country. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as what's going to happen next, uh, next court date is August 28th. There's going to be a battle about the timeline of this case and when it goes to trial, assuming Trump has no interest in a plea deal, which he doesn't appear to. uh, The feds want uh, a trial before the end of the year. The defense wants to delay it until after the election. Odds are it's going to land right where it's supposed to, just like the classified documents case, right in the middle of the campaign season. Imagine that. What a coinkydink. Yeah. Well, um... I do have some updates on Biden and Ukraine as well. I could be very quick with these. Why don't we do that? And we'll get to a little bit of a late um, super chat break. And then we'll get to our interview. <gasps> Knuckle Honky Bug is right. He said Lincoln didn't destroy the union. He destroyed the Republic to save the union. Yes. I misspoke. Uh-huh. Fair. Fair distinction. Thank you for clarifying. Proceed. My apologies. All right. Um, let me back up here. Oh, uh, yeah, we got to talk about Devin Archer a little bit. And uh, there is, if not an update on uh, Ukrainian prosecutor Viktor Shokin, a reemergence of an interview that's quite telling about what's going on and what's going on between the Bidens and Ukraine and all of that. So former Hunter Biden business partner Devin Archer did indeed testify before the House Oversight Committee behind closed doors on Monday. He did uh, he did not get caught paddleboarding with the Obamas. He did uh, indeed testify and uh, he, he spoke with Tucker, too. Uh, The full transcript of the congressional testimony is now available. And Archer said pretty much uh, what everybody expected him to say. Some highlights. He said that Joe Biden is uh, is or was a brand that Hunter Biden was selling as in a label to apply yourself to your uh, to apply to yourself or to your company to achieve power and to protect yourself. Joe Biden personally joined business calls and meetings with Hunter Biden at least 20 times. Now, we're told it was to discuss nothing but the weather because that's what you do. You call randos in other parts of the world because you're very interested in Kiev weather patterns. You're not just trying to demonstrate, uh, hey, I have a powerful man who can be reached on the phone at any time. Look, look what I can do. No, it was it was weather discussion. A lot of meteorological interest. Mm, yes. Burisma um, used Hunter Biden to get D.C. leverage to help them get pressure uh, from the Ukrainian government off of them. And uh, there are a couple other points here. But uh, in the interest of a smooth transition, let's get to that point on uh, Victor Shokin. I think it, I don't know what this would take logistically. In fact, I don't know what the barriers to are to it uh, are at all. But we need Victor Shokin to testify. We need to hear mm-hmm. from this man. This is the former Ukrainian prosecutor who Joe Biden got fired, allegedly with the assistance of Hunter Biden. um, And this was achieved by a $10 million bribe from Burisma, according to an FBI source that we've previously discussed. Now, Victor Shokin, as far as I'm aware, has not been heard from recently. But now a piece of a documentary in which he was interviewed has resurfaced. 
In this interview, Shokin describes how the uh, Bur- uh, how Burisma rather used the Bidens to get out of this investigation that they were facing and their alleged law breaking. He also says allegations that he was corrupt were never substantiated with anything specific. Now, this document, uh, this documentary is uh, in French and Shokin is speaking, I guess, Ukrainian. I don't know. It's not a language I understand. So I'll have to speak over the subtitles here. Bear with me. We have to believe that Mr. Biden was told that we are going to start questioning his son and others. Archer and others all involved in the Burisma case. And everyone understood very well that this fight was going to end badly for them. I repeat, I am not accusing anyone because there is the presumption of innocence in Ukraine. But I am practically convinced that Biden had understood what was looming. Having understood all of this, Biden used all the the unofficial means at his disposal. He acted through them so as not to show his interest in this case. His personal interest, I mean. Because in this specific case, Biden was acting on behalf of his own interests and not the interests of the American people. Biden's supporters have indicated that he was not the only one who wanted you to leave, says the interviewer. What do you say to them? I ask them, give me one example that proves that I am corrupt. One. Any wrongdoing I may have committed. No one has managed to do this, including Biden. That uh, interview, I think, is a couple years old at this point, but yeah, it's convincing. I I did a little bit of of digging before the show because I thought, yeah, now that I think about it, they just say the guy's corrupt. Oh, everyone wanted him removed from office. But because, did, are there any specific accusations that you've even heard levied? I tried to find a few. Granted, it was with like a half hours of half hours worth of research, so I I could have missed something. That's. The one defense, there are two defenses, they say. Shokin was corrupt, so it was good that Biden got rid of him. Okay, what did he do? Uh, crickets, as far as I'm aware. I've not heard that specific explanation. And then number two, well, it's fine because uh, the international community wanted him gone, and getting him gone was a matter of U.S. foreign policy. Yeah, but who was setting the U.S. foreign policy? Right. Yeah. Was it Joe Biden? Is it possible that like those things might align somewhat and give some plausible deniability in order to achieve something insanely corrupt for his family? Meanwhile, Archer's testimony, uh, well, his congressional testimony and his interview with Tucker Carlson, he confirms exactly what is alleged here. He says, yeah, Victor Shokin was a big problem for Burisma. And yeah, Burisma used and paid the Bidens to make the problem go away. But within within Burisma, right. this Shokin was considered a threat to your business. Office. Shokin was considered because Shokin was considered a threat to the business. I think any anyone in. Again, you got to get the signals to the government. I think anyone in government was always a threat and always trying to shake down these businesses that were highly successful and yeah. and enriching the, the owners and the, and, the, and the staff and the board. And whatever. Yeah. Thanks. I'm open to the counter case. What Victor Shokin did that was so bad and how Burisma has never done anything bad in its entire existence. I'm not convinced based on what I've seen so far. Anyway, and of course, uh, you know, if you believe the timing is uh, of consequence here, a lot of these, uh, a lot of this uh, compelling information not being discussed much in the news cycle, because I can't believe it. Somehow years after January 6th, 
they've they've only now discovered the elements to bring a, an indictment against Trump on that when they've been frothing yeah. about it ever since. But today's the day. Now's the time. Yeah, that's how it goes. Anyway, we're definitely past due for uh, a break. So we should do that before we get to our interview and check in with our chatters. Just uh, a couple over here on Rumble. We'll get to YouTube and Tippy. Raymond Donovan is gay. Just want to remind Raymond Donovan that he is. <laughs> I don't know if I can say the. he is a. Um, well, he. No, I can't say that. That's an N word variant. He just says that he's a homosexual N word variant lover. Matt, oh, please just say this. Moscow Christians. Please just say oh, this N word variant. It isn't in the dictionary yet. Don't censor me again like your old inner tyrant desires, please. Hey, man, I'm at the mercy of uh, of, of Raja Muhan here. The N word. You know what the N word is? You <laughs> saw what he made me do to that Indian beating clip. I know. Chop it up into a million pieces. I literally thought about pitching to you that we just put the interview before any other part of the show just like write just like do the promos and then just put the interview in because i've been self-conscious this whole time because i'm like these these nice this nice christian family the, the people that's probably we're, we're leading into them with super chat was probably a massive production this was a mistake. huge mistake i yeah. apologize to the bonnets there will be unwords bonnets i'm sorry hotty twerkman says hey main streeters the reed point bridge is fixed oh well that's the one that's uh just down the interstate from me the railway is moving navajo coal again maybe another uh, 737 spill into the clark fork river is next yeah um my Ugh. parents live down that way so whenever i get like we saw the 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 bridge collapse and the derailment when we went over there for the fourth of july but i haven't been back since so it's good to hear that it's back up and operational Thank you, Twerkman. Yako, uh, 1977. The Indian 7-Eleven workers will be called white supremacists in three, two, one. When I saw this, I can honestly say I was cheering them on. More of this would mean less lawlessness. Fight back. Yeah, I guess the only option now is just to do this so frequently that the volume of cases for would-be prosecutors is just too high. They just say, ah, I'm not going to do it. That's what happened with theft. So yeah. can't that happen with theft beatings? Yeah, and just reverse it. Mm. Okay, thank you guys. Um, one over on Odyssey here, real quick. Uh, Rowdy Dude says, maybe I'm wrong and I hope I am, but I think America will f- uh, fall to be like South Africa. Right now in America, we are fed slogans like diversity is our strength, which is just the softball version of kill the boar. Well, yeah, you, yeah. If, they're, if, they, if the New York Times is going to say, saying kill white people doesn't really mean kill white people. I mean, if that was chanted by a major party politician in this country, I have to believe the New York times would offer the same defense. Well, it's not literal. And actually you have to remember it's in response yeah. to a history of oppression and da, 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 da. I, you know, I, would. Yeah. I would like to think um, that's not going to happen. I, I think the rhetoric could certainly happen. I also know that at least the interior part of this country is heavily armed. So if you want to go try to take farms, <laughs> I know. Good, good luck. luck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we, of course, um, white people still are 65% of this country. They're going to have a lot. It's a lot of boars to kill. Yeah, A lot of boars to kill, yeah. Are you good over there? Yeah. Zorzi. A man, I'm just going to read these through. A man's reaction to monarchy is kind of test. Monarchy can easily be debunked, but watch the faces mark well the accents of the debunkers. These are men whose taproot in Eden has been cut, whom no rumor 
of polyphony, the dance can reach men to whom pebbles laid in a row are more beautiful than an arch. Where men are forbidden to honor a king, they honor millionaires, athletes, film stars instead. Even famous prostitutes or gangsters for spiritual nature, like bodily nature, will be served. Deny it uh, food and it will gobble poison. That's C.S. Lewis. And then he also said, how many men know the names of Mia Khalifa? She's a porn star, right? And Snoop Dogg, but don't know who C.S. Lewis is. Um, how many men know the lyrics to WAP, but not composed Lacrimosa? Or who composed Lacrimosa? Um, how do you fix a society whose culture has become rotten beyond recognition? You let it fail. You just let it fail. You, We're not uh, fixing society anymore. It's, it's not going to happen. First of all, thank you, Zorce. Very much appreciated. And We uh, love you. You're very special. C.S. Lewis is the last author that fundamentally changed my frame of mind. And that mm -hmm. is, that's rare company. And it's not necessarily directly related to this. But in Mere Christianity, which people recommended to me for the purpose of finding the connection between scripture and the teachings of Jesus and the concept of objective morality. I didn't necessarily find that, but I found all sorts of value in there about the relationship between man and woman and husband and wife and about the nature of morality as it applies to self. Because I used to be one of those degenerate libertarians that thought as long as you're not Terrible. hurting anybody else, there's no problem with it. There's a great piece of that book where he talks about, yeah, you think that you're the owner of the house that is your body, but what if you're just the renter, the tenant, and God mm -hmm. himself is actually the landlord? There are all sorts of ways to abuse that property, and you should avoid them. Anyway, I don't have an answer for how we get to a, a society and a culture that knows things like that from C.S. Lewis that are incredibly valuable. But uh, other than we just keep talking about them, and we hope for the yep. best. Because, uh, well, the, the people who are straying from those sorts of concepts, unfortunately, they're going to face hard times and those hard times will get corrected. Uh, hopefully they can learn lessons through verbal description as we're doing right now, instead of actual suffering. But, uh, mm -hmm. it appears yeah, they many, actually learns lessons that way. It appears many will choose suffering, unfortunately. Ooh, Mojack uh, Mojack hey, Mojack. Since I was able to return to work following my first round of chemo, I have some extra coin to share with my favorite duo. By the way, what happened to the Wednesday show? The stream, he said diaper, but diapered. I assume you mean disappeared? Um, it always so it does. Depends what you mean. Because the, yeah, the, the Wednesday show, the video doesn't stay up on any platform. The audio does go to the podcast platforms. You can listen back on demand. We did have a problem this particular Wednesday where the video stream did not go to Rumble. Uh, mm -hmm. And that was a one-time thing. That was a mistake. I don't know if it was Rumble's fault or if it was my fault, copy and pasting some of the uh, credentials that are necessary to get the stream over there. Either way, uh, it appears we're good on Rumble this evening. So my apology about that. We're praying for you. Um, wicked masshole. Starship Troopers sought to denigrate but inadvertently promoted right-wing ideas because the director presented them. Honestly, Barbie sought to promote but inadvertently den denigrated feminism for the same reason. Um, Moton Bailey accidentally wrecked Martin Bailey. Uh, everybody's talking about Barbie and I genuinely don't get it, but because I want to be part of the conversation, I want to see it, but I don't want to give them any of my money. I'm not going, so to I guess I, I'm not joining I'm not, the Barbie. I'm not going to do it. I understand the perspective of people who say it's feminist propaganda. And I understand the perspective of people who say, no, it's actually, um, like feminist realism sort of disguised. I don't care to investigate myself. I'm not going to watch it. I do love it, though, when um, people on the left have these artistic expressions that are accidentally woke. Like I mentioned, I was just watching The Wire. Uh, it's this leftist journalist that created The Wire, but it is so based on race relations. 
like huh. incredibly base. Only a delusional leftist that's accidentally telling the truth would be allowed to do something ah. like this. And so I yeah. wonder if Barbie is like the same the same thing. So I want to see it now. Maybe. Um, I'm not paying for that, though. I bought PN. No note. Thank you, sir. Injured Guardian. I'm not saying that we should delete all the stupid people. Just remove the one. Over a billion, 200, a trillion, 200 billion dollars. Sorry, I had to thank iBot. I didn't mean to jump on Injured yeah, Guardian. Let's start out. And let the problem sort itself out. P.S. Matt, did you get the cyclist memes that I emailed you? Uh, I think so. I'm sure I probably did. Yeah. Um, oftentimes if I get emails that are just like memes or whatever, I'll see them. And I don't necessarily respond to every single one if it's just a meme for a chuckle in the moment. But uh, if there's a request for me to provide some information, I will, I will usually respond. Um, but I'm cyclists. sure you were right about this. Yeah. Well, I've they're, moved they are on all from, over town right now. I moved over. on from hating cyclists. Now I hate the street skiers or whatever they're called. How can you move on from hating cyclists? I mean, they're I do so hate them, entitled. They're not, the, they're not the true scum of the earth. They are the scum of the earth. They, scum they should adjacent. all be shot. They are. They're scum um, gateway. Oh, God. They just are just the worst. Oh, let's do a few more. Hold my rehide. Truth seekers. Interesting that Gavin and Ron would debate. Although they're not opponents. Keep an eye on Kamala. I still think uh, there's a good 40% chance Gavin's incumbent in 2024. But what about his face? Isn't that going to be an impediment to his success? I don't know. I can't imagine. He has, he has Satan face. He looks like the, like the devil. He looks like a legitimate movie villain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but that said, and I know I know the DeSantis campaign is really struggling to get some traction. I assume that's part of the strategy in agreeing to this debate is they need some sort of flash and they need yeah. something fiery with some opposition. And so that's why they'd agree to do this. I can't wait to see this. I mean, I, I it's not even for like 2024 purposes. I just I want to see this argument had. And I think I think you, yeah. Gavin Newsom is crafty, so I, I wouldn't underestimate him. Um, but I think Ron DeSantis's fundamental point is going to be a very strong one for him. It's like, yeah, we can sit up here and debate the ideas. Let's look at how many people are leaving California and how many people are moving to Florida. Moving to Florida. And there's there's the proof in the case right there. Mm. So I'll be interested to see how Gavin Newsom tries to get around that basic fact. Um, That's an interesting question. Uh, Tanapra V, my fiance of two years uh my fiance, two years, was vaxxed and, bo- and half boosted before I met her and pulled her out of it. She's not had her monthly in seven months. I'm worried uh, because our dream is to have kids, thoughts, prayers, advice. I mean, yikes. That's not normal. That's not normal. Uh, so oh, okay. Has- I, didn't, I didn't understand what that meant at first. It's a little, uh, it's politely worded. Now I get it. Uh, so she hasn't had her period in seven months. Yeah. I mean, that's a condition called amenorrhea. I mean, I hope for your sake that this is unrelated. Things that cause amenorrhea that are unrelated to the vaccine are excessive exercise, not eating enough protein. So, I mean, my advice to you, because there's, you know, the getting the vaccine is a bell that, that cannot be unrung. Um, try to focus on other things. Like I hope that maybe she's a little underweight or that she's a vegetarian, then it'll be an easy fix. Then you just ply her with red meat and liver and then I, I guarantee your cycle will come back normally. Um, but if this is because of the vaccine, like I, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. If, if it was me, I'd probably be searching for the most sane doctor I could find. I know that's easier said than done. Like someone who will give it to you straight about I'm obviously, I, I don't know enough to tell you, Oh, it's for sure that I know that there was some linkage between uh schedule and vaccination status. 
I don't know this situation, obviously, but I, I would hope that there's some doctor who's at least willing to discuss the possibility. Honestly, maybe it's related to that. Maybe it's not. That would if I was in this situation, that's the route I would go. Um, I can't offer advice much better than that. Really? Yeah, but you can't do anything about it. You can't. Yeah. You can't uh, get the vaccine out of your body. You can't remove the spike proteins, which do aggregate in the ovaries. But and maybe menstrual there's disturbances some, are really common. Maybe there's some prospect with the right treatment, even in the form of just good diet or good treatment of your body over time to have the situation recover. I don't know. Well, I hope I hope that she's not eating enough meat. That is the easiest fix to amenorrhea. Um, one more right. Godspeed, man. And, uh, and all we the best to you. We will be praying both. for you. Long down, John. And now the totally not politically motivated Trump indictment of the week. I know. I need to make yeah. that. And now... Uh, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't done that, but we are at pretty much a weekly pace now, so it would be a good bit rolling into 2024. True. All right. Okay. Uh, we will come back to your chats at the uh, end of the show. Very much appreciated, and um, and we will get to. Uh, um, I'll have to just circle back with you. We'll get to our interview with uh, Sean and Rachel Bonet, the couple in uh, Moscow, Idaho, Moscow, Idaho. Uh, who was arrested at a church song protest outside of City Hall against lockdown policies. They just won a settlement with the city for violating their constitutional rights. And um, they tell us all about what happened. It, uh, it was delightful to talk to them. The interview is about 20 minutes, so we will see you on the other side. Welcome back. We are pleased to host our guests for the evening. That's Sean and Rachel and special guest January Bonet of Moscow, Idaho. My apology for mispronouncing the last name in my discussion of this story prior. But this is a story that I posted a video about last week and a story that we originally discussed on the show way back when it happened. That was in September 2020. Uh, Sean and Rachel were arrested at a church protest outside of City Hall for refusing to show ID to accept their health violation citations for not social distancing or masking. And uh, now they're back in the news because they recently won a settlement against the city for, among other things, violating their First Amendment rights. So, Sean and Rachel, thanks for making time to talk to us. And let's start by just walking through the arrest itself, because on paper, it just sounds so unbelievable. And it looks preposterous <laughs> in the video, too. But is it what it appears to be in the video? Were you were you simply arrested for singing church songs outside? Well, that's not what I wrote down, but I would say so. You know, they arrested us on the grounds of you know, violating an emergency health order, which was you have to you know, be six feet apart from people outside of your family. And if you're not, you have to wear a mask. We're outside. <laughs> we were inside. Right. So, so they approached us um, 
and you know led with that hey you know uh, is this your is this your family no okay well we have to ask you to step away no thanks okay well i'm gonna have to arrest you <laughs> to make it long story short is is why they arrest us but i would say that the whole reason why they were there was because it was a church event mm. you know like in the midst of covid there was a a bml yeah gathering in downtown and uh they had undercover cops there but oh yeah and let me guess they event, didn't care about it no yeah well you know we're in northern idaho and it's primarily white, you know, and that's that's not a racist thing. That's just a geographical thing for whatever reason. So it's like it's just a bunch of whiteies out there doing the thing. Um, but when we showed up to our church event, a dozen police officers were lined up against the wall and what felt like this, you know, SWAT position. It was kind of like I remember showing up and be like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Like, what, what 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 what's about to happen here? I mm-hmm. thought we we're just gonna sing three songs and hit it. I don't know. That's an unfair characterization. We have one black guy that lives in Coeur d'Alene, and I see. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's a high percentage. Well, and you know, as you know, as much flack of Christians get, uh, you know, for being racist, sexist, anti-gay, whatever you know, whatever the slogan is. Um, I think our church actually is the most probably diverse church in Idaho. We have many well, colored skin colored people and at least in moscow yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. didn't protect you hmm. right. i can't yeah, believe right. it because it does appear i know there were other people arrested and but were you guys singled out or did they go to everybody and say hey is that your family uh or were you guys singled out for some particular reason well my theory is uh <laughs> so for one they didn't have time to go to everybody because um you know, it took so long with us. This, the event was over by the time they were done dealing with us. Mm. Um, but also, my my theory partially was Sean was dressed like a pumpkin. He had, was wearing a bright orange shirt. Uh, and we were standing next to a family that is very clearly, all of their members look so much alike. And so it's very clear, like, they're a family. And then we're right there next to them. And it's very clear we're not a part of that family. Mm. So I'm not sure, you know, we were sort of close to the edge too. I don't think we were singled out for any like personal or even potentially strategic reason. I think it was just clear that in their minds, we were in violation of the order. I also have a theory. Sure. My theory is, is that, you know, we were near the front. They definitely passed over people. Uh, uh, I think they have, you know, saw, oh, it looks like a boyfriend, girlfriend thing. They look kind of, you know, soft and goofy. Let's, let's go over <laughs> them and try and disperse the crowd. I mean, if I was a police officer, I'd probably do that. I mean, I was wearing my Cub Scout shirt. So, you know, like, yeah. I would have heard that too. Cub Scout, <laughs> pumpkin. It's, it's, I, I said it's like the most wholesome arrest scene of all time because it really is. And you got to remember, this took place in the context of the Summer of Love, famously before that, where it was just, mostly peaceful albeit somewhat fiery destruction of major u.s cities and then you got footage like this where it's like this very kind negotiation of well if you really feel like you have to i guess it might be okay if you arrest me and the guy's like i i really would prefer not to but if you say so i i suppose and and it, I, the police uh, well 
the guy says he doesn't want to in the moment and then clearly does. They, they, they yeah, both do so. it in the end. And when you guys, when I heard you talking in another interview about, about your settlement, because the city tried to drop or they did drop the charges, you guys chose to pursue further legal action. And if I'm understanding correctly, that was driven a lot by just a refusal to say a simple sorry. Just, hey, uh, we made a big mistake. Sorry about that. Uh, we're not going to do that again. Did you yeah. ever get anything close to that? No, and not oh, even the settlements for us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but not even now. Yeah, you know, yeah. and all three of us, you know, on the uh, on the plaintiff side in the settlement, you know, Gabe Wrench included, would be in full agreement. I mean, we're we're Christian, so we believe in forgiveness and whatnot, and especially like kind of like you take our arresting officers, other arresting officers, what they did was clearly wrong. And people do wrong things all the time. And so it's, you're not really defined by the wrong you do, but what you do about the wrong to do. And so if it was like day two, boom, you know, just hits the fan and you're like, I think we messed up. Can we go read the ordinance and say, let's see how what we did was illegal, right? Like there was no wiggle room, right? Principally, legally, et cetera. Nothing, right? And so they're like, hey, we're sorry. You know, it's not like we're vindictive. It's like, well, that's too damn bad. Like, yeah. I'm taking you to court. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I mean, even that, and then even in depositions. So we did, you know, the deposition and the legal process is where our lawyers, you know, interrogate the uh, defendants and other people on their side. You can go and access those documents, which I recommend. They're entertaining. <laughs> hmm. But in there, I mean, it's just I would do it again. Uh, you know, just very, just very dumb. I mean, they're, they're playing dumb, but they're just. Like, I don't, I don't really know what's going on, but I would do it again. Seemed like what they were doing was wrong. Just so I understand, did you ever get to speak to the officers who arrested you later, those cops specifically, or was it just city officials? Uh, They were in the depositions. We didn't speak to them directly. Okay, but they submitted commentary to the court, basically. Correct. Yeah, we didn't have any personal conversations. Our our friend Gabe, who got arrested, he tried to have conversations with different leaders in town and um you know had some some refused but yeah. very not going anywhere very non-apologetic so they'd rather be exposed to <clears throat> the possibility of having a major settlement than apologize and then they settled and they were like we're not going to admit fault but uh we really don't want to be exposed to the possibility of further liability it's like well Correct. So they had a certain amount of money that they would not apologize for. They wouldn't go beyond right. that. So you were never issued any kind of apology oh, at all. Yeah, it's, it's all like, even, <clears throat> even when they dropped uh, the charges, like Matt was saying, it was like a three-page explanation of why they did what they did. And it was basically like, we were right, but there's this loophole. So yeah. we're yeah. not going to pursue it. Hmm. And then I think as you see in the settlement, we've got insurance. Hmm. And and politically, it saves face. Like we're a very uh, non-conservative town, very liberal town, and so the council is. You know, majority of people who do come out and vote, I think, if more conservatives vote, it actually win elections. That's another thing. Um, so it's like in their political interest to not. It's in it's in their political interest to uh, kind of. What we did, like we were protecting everybody with our, I would, like we were doing the right thing. Like COVID was serious. People were dying. Our hospitals were overflowing. Like remember when 
we had zero hospitalizations when you're back to do in this town. Well, they keep saying that in abstract. Like, we were just protecting the citizens of the town. Show me the guy who you saved yeah. from you and your church. You know, like, who's yeah. that guy? Well, especially like in our town. When we were arrested, zero people, you know, zero people were hospitalized, zero deaths. Well, I'm not sure. Low that, case amount, you know. I, yeah, I'm not sure there were really any cases in Waytop County at that time. Hmm. There were in the neighboring county in Washington, right across the border, like five miles away. Uh, but there weren't any. As far as I remember, you can fact check me. Yeah, but, whatever the yeah. facts were, they were like, they don't make sense to the narrative that yeah. unfolded. Yeah. One of the things I heard you say that really stuck with me is just the importance of having moral clarity before difficult times hit you, as they did in 2020. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you have to know right and wrong before something chaotic and nonsensical hits you so that you're clear enough to navigate right and wrong in a difficult time. Seems to me that comes from your church and your community, but I want to give you an opportunity to speak about that more because I think you guys really, uh, really showed that in that moment. And so... Uh, just let us know how you achieve that. How do you find that moral clarity like that? Yeah. Well, I think just to kind of reiterate, I said, I agree. I think it is a good like thing to remember because it's easy to forget. I don't know what it is about the way that we are, but we think like, I'm going to be ready for any moment, especially guys. Like, okay, I'm going to protect my family. I'm going to be a fighter. Well, it's like, but I never do any hand-to-hand combat training. I never go shooting. <laughs> but when that guy, I'm just going to, you know, it's like, yeah. you're probably not. And so we think like we're ready for the day, but we don't train for it. That doesn't happen in sports. Like if I just think, man, I watch a lot of basketball film and I really think I'm a good player. Just wait till I go in. I'm going to be hitting threes and driving. It's like, but you don't practice, you don't train. So like, like just keeping that principle straight, like whatever you like want to achieve, like I want to be a good, I want to be ready for X and you're not training for it. They're not going to be ready for X. So, and then to answer your question of like, how do we get there? Um, yeah, it starts by knowing who made you, right? Knowing the one who made the earth and all creation, knowing the one who made us, and then knowing the one who therefore made uh, the laws of the universe, who, who like what is good, what is bad, and who says, right? Like if you don't know God who communicates that to us, then what you say is good can be out of line with that, right? One thing we saw in town and narratives that you probably see get pushed is like, uh, you know, taking a Christian value of loving your neighbor. Well, that's a, that's a Christian belief. We believe we should love our neighbor because God made everybody in his image and, um, and, and cares for them, you know, so we should be loving to our neighbors and our enemies. So we have moral, absolute truth to guide that. Well, we saw a lot of like masking up to love our neighbors. Well, so therefore, it's like, well, what is love? Because love is love, right? You're talking about all these agendas that can be pushed around. So then not only can you just say, I want to be good, but what is good? And so I think if you're not, you know, studying, serving, worshiping the one who is good, then you're not. That's a really interesting way to put it. And I've not thought about it that way. It's it's moral training. It's moral boot camp, so to speak. And the point is, if you don't. Everybody kind of considers themselves good by default. Like, I'm me. I'm a good guy. That's a given. Yeah. But if you don't self-scrutinize and think, am I really following a set of rules that make sense? Yeah. And am I willing to stand up for those rules when it's hard to do that? Are you really the good guy? That's uh, that's really well put. I hadn't thought about 
now I'm, I'm thinking about applying that in my own life. I need to do some moral <laughs> training in the same way. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then you kind of summarize that. Like we want to think regimens like, you know, go to church, read your Bible, love, love your family. And then just kind of, it's real, it's real like, and because they're, they're really, they're, they're disciplined things. And when you lean into it, you see the fruit of it, but then you, but then you have to do it like, like it's a, not only like it's a good result because everybody wants to be a hero. Everyone wants to do what's right. You know, the dying, the sacrificial thing, you want to be that kind of person in the story that, that God has you in. And so one of the things that propels that is his love and forgiveness. So if it's like, okay, I got to be good. Well, it's like, guess what? You're going to mess up. It's kind of what I was saying. It's not like, you're not going to be defined by that, but you, you then learn how to be built up to be better and do better. But you also learn, you also learn how to um, uh, find forgiveness and know how to, okay, so I mess up. Is it all over? Yeah, like, I, what do I do with this method? Am I done? Can I be, but can the, be restored? Yeah. Can there be reconciliation? But it's the same thing when you get your house dirty, you clean it up. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. we just have to know how to clean up our lives, you know, through, through Christ. Oh, there, Jordan Peterson. I know, right? Don't make this hard. Don't make this. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Clean your room, bucko. No, I understand <laughs> exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Before um, we let you guys go, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the, the reputational damage. Oh, yeah. Um, that this caused. If any. Sure. Yeah. So I think uh, Gabe Wrench, who erupted alongside us, had had at that time and continues to have more of a platform and also more of a, a public um, persona, if you will. Uh, he, at the time, he was running for county commissioner. And so he was a very public figure. figure. Hmm. And um, because of that, like a lot of the focus was on him like we weren't even named in the paper when it first happened you know like our names came out in the paper like a month later maybe you know um and who knows us like we're just like I'm a I'm a housewife and and Sean's a a private music teacher like uh we're doing really excellent important things but um you know not in like a huge public way right so like you know we're not we're not a face that people would just like automatically recognize or something like that. And so for us personally, uh, I don't think we felt a whole lot of reputational issue. Um, personally for us, it was more like dealing with, um, you know, anytime you have some conviction that's different from like a family member or friend, like dealing with interpersonal right. differences that come to the forefront because this public thing happened. Um, but otherwise, yeah, as far as from our neighbors, um, we didn't, we didn't have any issues like that. I don't think. Uh, yeah. I think it goes back to like the community thing, like overall, like, and people are like, this It's like, you think about, you know, civil rights eras, like those black people or whatever, or those Jews. Right. And so it just kind of gets this kind of, oh, those Christians or, you know, what they call sometimes Kirkers because or church name is called Christ Church, and so the Scottish of that would be like, and so it's like, oh, there they go. That's a new one to me. I've never heard that. Yeah, (laughs) whatever, like, label, like, the not us label, you just be like, well, there they go again. Uh It doesn't really, and and that's just kind of how things are politically now, right? It's just, uh, you know, those conservatives, those liberals, you know, those people, that people, and so it's just like, well, there they go again, and so I think it's, like Rachel was saying, more on the 
personal level, talking with friends and family who disagree with it and, and navigating through it. But I think, you know, praise God, as it came out, it's like, hey, we were like they a judge said what they did was illegal. And here's three hundred thousand dollars. So <laughs> I think that helps people. kind of, And that's all. Ultimately, you're playing a long term game. Right? right. Anytime you say or do something that like doesn't, you know, fit with what you expect. But once you see the pattern of someone's life, you're like, oh, I guess that's actually not bad, you know. Sure. Well, we are out of time. That's our guest, Sean and Rachel Bonet and January, wherever she may have disappeared to. Busy Janie. Um, I should ask, is there um, is there anywhere that you'd like to send people if they'd like to connect with you or learn more about you? Do you have any kind of public social media presence or anything like that? Yeah, we do. I think, um, you know, if people want to connect with us, like, you know, talk more. You can, we, so I, we run a, a music business here that we, we teach locally and we teach online. So it's our last name, bonema.com from MA for Music Academy. So bonema.com, there's like, there's a contact uh, page there, but, you know, Sean Bonet, Rick Bonet, we're on social media there. All right. Well, thank you again for your time and thank you for standing up for yourselves in a time where they, I don't think, expected you too much. It was a pleasure to meet you and all the best to your family. Thank you guys so much. Welcome back. Thanks again to our guests, Sean and Rachel Bonet. Find their music academy at bonetma.com. That's B-O-H-N-E-T-M-A dot com. Linked in the description for your convenience. If you're in the market for music lessons, seems like a wonderful couple to hire. Far too wholesome for this particular production, but it was a pleasure to speak with them. Uh, Really appreciate what he had to say about the concept of moral training. I've never thought about it in that way, but yeah. Yeah. In every other way, you, you, you have to go into any particular event prepared. And we just think like, oh, I have this inherent sense of right and wrong. And to some extent, we all do. We have a conscience. But if you haven't run through the scenarios in your mind ahead of time, how do you expect to know which choice to make when the moment presents itself? Yep. And that is the purpose of adversity, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, big concepts. And I appreciated speaking uh, with them about that. So we thank them for their time. Uh, it is time for hoax hate or hoax hate adjacent stories. Ooh, there's some good ones. And now the nobody saw it happen, but it's totally a product of Trump's America hoax hate crime of the week. Ah, shit, it's backwards. You think they'll notice? Yes, this isn't strictly a hoax hate crime, but it is a hoax about the data of racial bias in criminal justice. So close enough, I say. As always, I will stretch the bit as far as it can possibly reach. <laughs> I need to uh, I need to read more about this particular case because I want to know what the studies said in depth. Perhaps I'll do my own video on this later. I don't know. But just headline level, it's hilarious. 
Uh, Florida State University criminology professor Eric Stewart is widely regarded as a guru of systemic racism studies. Ugh. And an expert on racism in American policing and criminal justice. No more, though, because he has now been fired after almost 20 years of his data, including figures used in an explosive study which claimed the legacy of lynchings made whites perceive blacks as criminals and the problem was worse among conservatives. Well, all of the data were found to be in question, according to this New York Post reporting. Uh in question is a nice way to put it. He, he faked it. He falsified data is, is what happened. Uh, college authorities say they had been uh, that that Stewart has been fired for incompetence and false results. Accordingly, six studies have now been retracted. And these these were published in major academic journals like Criminology and Law and Society Review between 2003 and 2019. So major journals over almost two decades time. And this guy was just making it up. Or if you want to be generous in one that we'll describe here, he was cherry picking. He was selecting mm-hmm. some data, excluding others to get conclusions that he wanted. May as well have just been making it up. Now, to the extent that he was published successfully in major journals over the course of almost two decades, you might have some questions about the integrity of those publications, the peer review process in general as well. Just something to think about. But all of this was uncovered because a former graduate student of Stewart's named Justin Pickett blew the whistle on Stewart's fraudulent research and data four years ago. I guess there's been an investigation ever since. Pickett worked with Stewart in 2011 research on whether the public was demanding longer sentences for black and Hispanic criminals with the paper that they were working on concluding that it did. But Stewart fiddled with the sample size to deliver the result that he wanted rather than the real result that the research showed, according to Pickett. And if you're wondering, uh, yes, Jason Pickett, the man who blew this all up, he's a very racist white male. (laughs) And if you're wondering, yes, Stewart did blame racism for his own failure in uh, his own failure in dishonesty. At least implicitly, Stewart says he is the victim and that Pickett, quote, essentially lynched me and my academic career. Oh, Lord. You academically hanged yourself, dude. I don't know what to say. (laughs) Stewart also served. Get this. The uh, the guy who faked the data. He also served on Florida State's diversity promotion and tenure committee. Giving him say. Florida giving him say well that's a, i was told by kamala harris and others that like black people are are chased out of the state of florida effectively how yeah. did he get on the yeah. diversity board at florida state university he must oh it's uh, fsu isn't it that school's a joke famously a joke i don't know much about them uh oh, okay. i know that they, that makes me feel a little bit better i know they produce a lot of football players that's about it for a second i thought that was a government position i was gonna lose my mind well i mean it's a public university but uh yeah i mean I suppose it's not government, strictly speaking, but it, it's a it's a state institution. Anyway, yeah, he was on the uh, the the committee that made decisions about promotions and who's in what role. I'm sure he exercised much better professionalism and honesty when he was deciding who gets promotions at Florida State University. Uh, this case, man, I don't know what to make of this because I put this in the notes, thinking, "Oh man, this is real hate," and. What happened here was Did you really after after everything, you know, well, I, the story I saw at first glance was gay guy was being way gay on the street and a Muslim was like, that's too gay. I'm going to stab you. And that's sort of believable. 
But that's not yeah, what happened. I would be on, exactly. Unfortunately, that is not what happened. So this was in uh, in New York City in Brooklyn at a gas station. This shirtless guy and his four friends, they kind of drive up and then they all get out of the car and like it's hot. They're in swim trunks and they're they're dancing. So one of them starts. He looks to me like he's just on drugs. I don't know where this boging claim is coming from. What does I mean, that even you mean? Look up the I've term, never heard that term. It's like some super faggy Harlem style gay man dance. OK, so like this is like the thing. Specific, this is established. Yeah, but it looks like he's just walking around like a drugged out zombie. Yeah. Um, And then. These other guys are like, bro, like, stop it. You we're Muslim. This is, you know, against our religion or whatever. That is supposedly what is also some some racial slurs were apparently hurled and some other things. Although I'm, yeah, you fucking bitch. I think that's audio from the scene. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I'm questioning whether or not that actually happened. So then the 17 year old um, stabs this super homo who's wang may or may not be flapping about we I, I cannot i can't tell can you tell i think it is but i can't show on the stream i have the clip ready if you're ready for it but because it has an ambiguous dick in it i had to censor it oh okay oh well, so nobody else okay can tell I, when i first saw that when i watched this footage i'm i'm watching and it's got the the gay guy dancing around and then the footage is not clear and he's kind of far away but there's something flopping and it's long from his groin area. And he appears just mm. to be wearing like boxer briefs. When I, mm. when I grab still frames from this video, as I sent to you, something's hanging out of those shorts, but well, this it also, I, I watched it, but it might just be like the, um, the strip of like where you take your dong out to whiz. Maybe, but it's, it looks like it's flapping around to me. You won't okay. be able to make a judgment on what, or if something is, hanging out of the shorts, but this is an idea of what the scene looked like, at least. Deadly stabbing at a gas station in Midwood, Brooklyn over the weekend is now being investigated as a possible bias crime based on the victim's sexual orientation. Police say the victim O'Shea Sibley and his friends were just dancing in the parking lot on Saturday night. That's when an eyewitness tells us the person in the black shorts told the group to stop dancing, saying, quote, I'm Muslim. After that, the situation escalated. This morning, the teenage suspect is still on the run. Meanwhile, a memorial service for O'Shea Sibley is scheduled for this Saturday. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyways, the 17 year old has been arrested. He's been charged as an adult with second degree murder, second degree murder and committing a, a hate crime. His grandmother has come out and says that, and said that he's not racist, but she also said he's not Muslim. She said he's a Christian and belongs to the church. He wears a cross. The news says that he hates black people, but his older brother is married to a black woman. They always are. Right? We have, we have a grandchild who's black. He does not understand gay or not gay grandmother's delusional no 17 year old doesn't understand gay like what is he three unless he is mentally challenged or something like that but it doesn't yeah. sound like like he is. they would have immediately come out with that as a yeah defense. i think he probably is muslim in which case uh good for him i mean if, if american like paused americans aren't going to be able to deal with this homo problem we have then like <laughs> well, fine let's get muhammad over here to just Okay, throwing... Julius, calm down. All right. We're not talking <laughs> about boars here. Let's be real. Uh, I don't know. I mean, but then why did all the media outlets report that he was Muslim if they were just going to flip that narrative around? Well, that's another reason I thought that it might be true as reported because it's like, oh, the reason this isn't news is because a Muslim guy did it. So that doesn't really count as a hate crime, at least one worthy of national news coverage. 
now now after seeing the footage though i'm wondering we we had that let me clarify up front to the extent there was a death here i have not seen evidence of aggression that would justify a killing in self-defense i am not saying that whatever happened here is is legally or morally justified i'm just saying the story seems more complex than presented remember was it last week or just a few weeks ago we've seen actually several cases where you have these gay guys claim to have received like unprompted beatings and then it comes out in uh in the case where they were this last one that we talked about where they actually started a fight with a group of teenagers over that property dispute or whatever it was I'm just saying that the the physical display that was ongoing here was very, very bizarre. And it seems perfectly understandable to me that some sort of dispute would have started over that. Like, hey, put your wiener away. I would prefer not to see your whatever's or whatever I saw going on there. And then maybe some words are exchanged and maybe a physical attack is initiated and it ends badly. And someone did what they had to do in that moment. I'm again, that's not to say that the killing here was justified. It's just to say, I don't buy it as, oh, look, a gay guy. Let's stab him. Clearly, there was some bizarre behavior going on in this particular incident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's probably something like that or like the gay guy hit on this guy and then there was some sort of dispute. But, uh, you know, as always, I think there's more information uh, than is being revealed by the media. Um, The Muslim angle, though, I, I can't figure that out. And you're not going to get much more information on this considering, well, the, the, the he's a minor he is charged as an adult, but because he's a minor, I don't think we're going to get information on who exactly he is or what's going on. So let me know live chat. Can, can you guys like watch this uncensored video and let me know? Because I'm, if he is just going around, just Dick wagon, then like, don't you think that a murder is a little more justified? <laughs> I will. Like maybe I'll not hundred percent justified, but like 20% justified. Let me, um, I'll have to mute this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's from ABC news. So if you, if you search ABC news, gas station stabbing investigated as possible hate crime, the guy's name is O'Shea Sibley who was uh, killed. Uh, if you search this story, you will find the video that I was talking about and I'll have to stop it here before this Sonic ad plays through because, uh, again, I don't, there's like a mystery dick in this video. I don't want to show it accidentally. I don't want to get in trouble with Raja Mohan. So I'll have to leave it as is. But uh, I welcome your opinions. Anyway, um, are you all finished on that story? Yeah. Do you, do you think we're ever going to know? No, we, that's uh, it, because of the uh, the nature of a, a minor crime, a young person's crime. It's not going to be much public information on it. So unsatisfying. This job sometimes. Hmm. Well, uh, this one is... Uh, It's not a crime, but you would think the way this guy apologized that he committed some sort of crime. NASCAR driver Noah Gregson has been suspended indefinitely by his team, the Legacy Motor Club. This suspension is because Noah Gregson liked an inappropriate post about George (laughs) Floyd on social media. Noah Gregson uh, has made the situation worse, of course, by apologizing for his lack of attention and actions on social media saying he understands the severity of the situation. Now, what is this severe situation that we're talking about? Well, on Instagram, Gregson liked an image of Sebastian, the crab from the new live action, little mermaid movie with George Floyd's face superimposed. And the caption reads, get ready under the knee under the knee. Okay. I mean, that's, 
It was good. There was I've seen this meme before, but there was a lot of crossover with this and then the Little Mermaid coming out and everything. It's just movie promotion. And like in the case of um, the George Floyd banana Chad, that's just a factual description of the event that happened that day. It's not a judgment on whether that was good or bad, but he was physically under Denis, was he not? George Floyd did proudly hold up a banana he purchased with a counterfeit bill that. that day. Did he not? Yet I'm the racist, you know? It's just observing history. This is it's a factual retelling. Yeah, maybe um, he should not have fulfilled so many stereotypes and people wouldn't <laughs> think that we're so racist. Uh, so I, I, who knows how long this NASCAR driver is going to be uh, out of the driver's seat. And this didn't happen on Twitter, but this is something of a related note. Elon Musk tweeted over the weekend that Twitter is going to fund legal defenses for anybody unfairly treated by their employer for activity on Twitter. So it'll be nice to see if that happens. Um, wow. Hmm. If he defends the under Denis memes, then he will really earn my favor. I will praise him highly. Okay. If he yeah, actually all right, does I can get behind that. Okay. Are you ready for the movie review? Yeah. All right. In a world of movie references flying over his head, one man will finally watch them. This is the Matt and Blonde Show Movie Review. Tonight's movie is the 1981 Harrison Ford action-adventure classic debut of the Indiana Jones series Raiders of the Lost Ark, in which the U.S. government hires an archaeologist to stop the Nazis from recovering the Ark of the Covenant to make Hitler and his army invincible, and he does, but then the government just hides the Ark anyway. From movie picker J.G. Henry, I saw this movie during an 8th grade field trip and it blew me away. There is a reason they just released the 5th movie of the franchise. This is the best of the five and is a good love story, action adventure, and a great beginning-to-end entertaining movie. Uh, Jamie and Jeannie, who were last month's nominators, they did all the AI art, and uh, they emailed me and said, we just want to keep doing the AI art. And I said, okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm, I, I think it's funny, so we'll keep doing the AI art. And uh, did you notice Caesar in the background? I did, and he's, he's boiling a little pot. Yeah. So <sighs> thank you guys for your artwork. It is a welcome addition to the bit. Uh, and as always, your review and your rating. Sure. Okay. I mean, why do the bad guys have to be Nazis? Why? I figured there might why? be some commentary on that. Very misunderstood. I, I There's no way anybody is going to get a fair review for me out of this because it's just wrapped up in too much childhood nostalgia. And I remember as a child watching the Indiana Jones movies over and over and every time I watched it, it was like being on a roller coaster. It was like a nonstop uh, thrill ride. Um, and I, I that, it was the same time when I, it was the same thing when I watched it again. It was just, it brought me back like right to my childhood. <laughs> and so there's just no getting a fair, a fair review out of me. So it was such a fun watch. Um, and I was just so in love with, with Harrison Ford. Like, is there any more ma- handsome man on the planet than of course, Mel 19... 19- Okay, 1981 Harrison Ford is is just unbeatable. It was just he's just the sexiest man alive at any point in history. Harrison Ford in 1981. I love the terrible special effects, like the the. I know you're going to say something about this, but like the melting Nazi yeah. wax face and then exploding. It's so bad. It's so campy. I just I just love it. 
um, the comedic shooting where that guy has the, we always, uh, what are those swords called? We, we always, I always just it. call them Aladdin swords. And then the chat reminds me they, they have some specific title, but yeah, those curvy, cool swords. He comes out and he's like, oh, no, no. and then yeah. Harrison Ford just, just shoots him. It's like perfect comedic timing. Um, and then this is a love interest that I can totally get behind. I think that Karen Allen, the actress that plays Marion, she's so cute. It was just so cute. And I love that she's got this like, punchy little attitude and they have all this history. And I know it was good fun. Is it a cinematic masterpiece? No. Did it hold up? Not really, <laughs> but I still love it. I don't care. Fight me. I gave it a four to five for right. the trip down memory lane. Well, uh, I bet the, you didn't like this at the risk of like entering it. Groundhog Day territory. Let me say up front, I, I didn't it. I didn't hate it. And actually, okay. uh, this is the first viewing of any Indiana Jones movie I've ever. How watched. is that even possible? I've never How watched any possible? of them. But my you personal, never watches as a child. But ever. my personal connection to Indiana Jones is riding the ride at Disneyland with my wife on our first official date. And uh, well, it wasn't on that ride. We rode that ride and then we rode Space Mountain and there was a crazy guy screaming in our ear on Space Mountain. But, you know, we rode Indiana Jones Jeep ride and that was that was part of our, our first date. So I do have at least some personal connection. But of course, it's not my personal connection that matters. Uh, things I can say I like about this. Uh, I will always praise John Williams, the composer, the guy behind the soundtrack. Again, it's another one of those. It's like Jaws um, to some extent, Jurassic Park, but certainly this one. Even if you haven't seen the movie, you know the song. And of course, I yep. know the song even if I haven't seen the movie. And that's because of the genius of the man who did it. And John Williams just has this knack, not just for capturing the mood or emotion of a particular scene or movie, but for making things so unforgettably catchy, too. You hear the Indiana, the Indiana Jones song. You don't forget that. You will always remember it. Yeah. A lot of the cheese is is great for the reasons that you described. There's some great jump scares in The Well of Souls. Uh, Satipo or whoever uh, Jones's guide at the start who gets spiked through the face, uh, uh, the literal face melting at the end. Some of it is like so, so bad that it's good. And I'll always like that kind of eighties effects cheese. Uh, the crudeness, I think some, I think it's supposed to be scary kind of, of course the crudeness is more funny than I think it's original intent was now. I don't know. Maybe not. It's still entertaining though. Um, I would, I have to credit the movie's influence. Of course, you think of things that I've enjoyed in my life, like the Crash Bandicoot video games that I played when I was young. I don't think those boulder chase scenes exist without Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, my wife was noticing the similarities between the dinner scene with Marion in this movie and her captor. I forget his name. And then um, Kira Knightley's character in. Yeah. In Pirates, Pirates of the Caribbean when she is captured and she's it's it's this like. Uh, aggressive eating and it's the wearing of the nightgown. It's trying to woo their captors into escape, that sort of thing. And then I wondered too, like I, I didn't know that Indiana Jones, I, is it a stretch to say this movie influenced snakes on a plane? Is that possible? I mean, <laughs> you got Harrison Ford and Samuel L. Jackson asking, why are there snakes on this particular plane? That, uh, <laughs> that is a problem that we should solve. I hate snakes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the scene that you mentioned with the, the, the curvy Aladdin sword guy trying to intimidate him and he just shoots him dead. I mean, it's entertaining. There's some philosophical value to that too. Don't, don't bring a no, knife to a gunfight. come on. Um, don't ruin I, this with your philosophy. I think there is some, just some philosophical points to appreciate. You want to be skilled like swordsman. You want to be, 
Um, you know, you want to be mentally sharp and all that, but at the end of the day, there's a certain respect for the lethality of the firearm that, uh, that you have to honor. And I, I actually think there's a little bit of philosophy or just an interesting point to squeeze out of the ending too. I actually really liked the ending, this promise from the government that the top men are looking into it. Well, who the hell are you talking about? <laughs> top men. And by that, you mean yeah. you're burying it in a box with a bunch of other boxes in a government warehouse. And it's just interesting to think it's like, I don't care how many centuries uh, of, of, of sand in the desert that Ark has endured hidden. It is now more uh, thoroughly buried in the hands of the government than it ever was lost in the desert the entire time. <laughs> yeah. So that was cool. Um, help me understand this. Cause I'm not making accusations, but I don't get this plot point. I'm not saying that Indiana Jones is for sure a pedophile. But the circumstances of this relationship are so weird and unclear. Uh, Jones shows up at Marion's bar. She punches him for abandoning her when she says she was just a child in love with him. Now, I understand that might not mean literal child. She might just mean young person. And if she means young adult, why does Marion say it was wrong and he knew it? And then he acknowledges saying, I did what I did. Are they just talking about a broken heart or was there something? No, they're talking about a broken heart because she says it was 10 years ago and she's at least the actress. Karen Allen was 31. Is that how old she's supposed to be though? Is she supposed to be younger than that? I I saw no indication. She's supposed to be young. Cause that puts her at 21. That sounds legit to me. I can, um, I could entertain that possibility. But the thing that's weird is I go to the Wikipedia page, the plot summary and it says Jones and Marion had, quote, an illicit relationship prior. And I, it doesn't explain any further. And the only other form of illicit relationship I can think of is incestual. But that clearly doesn't apply here. No, I think it was a student teacher thing. Oh, maybe. Well, that wouldn't be illicit. That's an illicit relationship. It's like frowned upon. But illicit usually means like illegal. No, maybe, no, maybe, uh, maybe it's a student teacher thing. I don't know. Um. It just it's weird phrasing and it implies that she was underage. And if that's what they're getting at, um, number one, I don't know what plot point that serves in their romance, really. But then the other implication that you'd have to take away from it is it's a demonstration that your abuser can actually uh, be redeemed and you can fall in love with him and all of all of this stuff. So, oh my God. I'm Come just on. saying it's I'm just saying it's weird. I, I don't I don't know if that's the intended understanding, but it definitely comes off as weird. It's definitely not. It's, it's some teacher student thing, which I think is natural. And then he had that dynamic with other students, like with that girl that's looking at him with the love you written on her eyes. Like he's just is there anything hotter than your hot older teacher? All right, like a teenage girl. I'll take I'm your, fine with all of this. I'll take your word for it. Um, some of the cheese, I think, is is indeed too cheesy. And I love uh, absurd eighties action as much as the next guy. But some of the stuff is just so silly and so over the top. It's just plain preposterous. Like the truck scene down climbing the grill of the truck, then navigating the undercarriage of the truck, then getting dragged behind the truck at high speed down a Rocky road without so much as a scratch. And then like that, that was ridiculous. And I, I know everybody loves the Nazi mechanic man getting splattered on the windshield, but the way it happens is just so ridiculous. Like 
oh man, here I am standing somehow unaware that there's a giant plane engine running right next to me and I can't feel any of the wind generated by this particular propeller. And then when I do turn around to see it, I don't move to avoid it. I just look at it and scream until it you know, makes my, my head into hamburger meat. That was pretty silly. Um, and then just a lot of the action is the, the, the classic, uh, you know, quick, everybody attack him one at a time in sequence type stuff. It's like, okay. I mean, I know he, he got 50 Nazis, but thank God they're all coming one at a time for Indiana Jones to punch them in the face. When he gets in the truck, you got the Nazi driver, man, practically making out with him and then grinning in Indiana Jones's face. Like, okay, it's time to punch me and have me fall out of the car. Go ahead. And he does. And I know, I get it. Indiana Jones lovers. Um, the movie's entertaining. I know that you're going to say that like you're reading too much into it and uh, you got to just sit back and enjoy the entertainment factor without thinking about it. It's just, I don't know. Some of it was so over the top absurd that it, it, it reduced my enjoyment factor a little bit. And then there were several um, little things and these aren't gigantic plot holes, but little things that just don't make a lot of sense that bugged me. Um, they, it takes all this effort to find the location of the ark. You got to have this fancy staff and you got to have this precise sunlight timing and you have to have this model city to find the exact spot of the ark in this underground tomb that they have to dig deep into the into the sand to find. And then when Jones and Marion are sealed inside, oh, wow, how convenient, a very easy above ground exit um, that's connected to a building, you know, that, that nobody noticed for some reason. Then we have massive stone bricks that are actually very easy to move out of the way somehow. And speaking of this tomb. <sighs> How are the snakes alive in the tomb? There are so many oh, snakes. God. What are the snakes eating? <laughs> you are such a buzzkill. If kill. they go, why are, do the snakes go outside to get food and come back in? If they do, there's, why do they want so much concentration and competition with other snakes? Okay, fine. Maybe the snake's point is too technical. How is there light in this tomb? It's sealed up and they have their torches, but then they lose their torches and there's still dim light. It's like, oh, I, great. That comes from the crack in the very easy exit and entry point that nobody noticed until now. How convenient. Just a lot of that stuff was, was complete silliness. Um, the, the Gestapo man, Tote, the, the guy who's trying to thwart them at every step, when he tries to grab Marion's medallion in the bar and he just holds on to it while it burns the insignia cleanly into his hand, you're allowed to let go. It's, this is not, this is not like a, a, a doorknob in home alone. You know what I mean? It's, it's not just that he holds on to it for like five seconds screaming for no reason. Then, Oh no, I have a burn better give up on the entire, I could have easily killed them, but no, I'm going to run away and just abort mission because I have a burn on my hand. It's time to leave now. I know this is buzzkill stuff. The, the movie is fun, admittedly. But man, would I like But your just, wife liked it. Um, <laughs> that, well, there's a sounder right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, did I ever tell this? This is a very quick aside. Great story, compelling and rich. Did I ever tell this story on air speaking of? Because that's all I have for Indiana Jones. Quick story in the middle okay. of an Indiana Jones review. Um, as part of this uh, house that we're that we're in now, we had to get a uh, a water softener because there's very hard water around here. And the water softener man said uh, when I was talking to him about what we should do and how we should hook it up, he said, "Well, some people they like to leave the mineral content in their drinking water because they think it tastes weird." And I said, "No, nah, let's let's make the whole house soft water. And if we don't like the way it tastes, then we'll figure it out later and we'll adjust." And the guy said to me straight face, "Yep." Just call me up and say, my name, his name, my wife wants it hard. 
That's what he, <laughs> he said to did me. Did he laugh? With a straight. No, he did not laugh. He said with a straight face, call me and tell me that your wife wants it hard. And I said. Really square. All right. Thank okay, you. I'll do that. Uh, I have not called him and told him that my wife wants it hard yet. I'm oh, thrilled okay. with the softness of our water, though. Anyway. So gross. How was that related to this? I don't remember. I don't know. But don't I know gave that. it a um I did not hate this movie, even though I was critical of it. I I, I gave it a solid three. Okay. I'll allow it. It certainly fills okay. the purpose All of right. the bit. It's an iconic piece of American movie culture. It's certainly not boring. I'm not saying it is. It's worth the watch. I don't think I'm going to be eager to watch it again anytime soon, though. I can't. I mean, maybe as like a family fun night or something, but uh but yeah, I think uh, that'll be it for me. As far as the uh, audience rating, I'm sure they're going to tell me I am wildly wrong. Everybody loves it. It's like 60% five wiki ratings. And and by the way, on the audience interaction, something has gone haywire with the polling system where it's blocking people from voting, saying that they've already voted. I'm looking into it. If you encounter that, number one, if you're using a VPN, try turning the VPN off. Number two, if that doesn't work, you could still try voting on a cell network. The reason it's malfunctioning is because it has to check your IP to prevent the fortification in the vote that we've seen previously. And for some reason, it's thinking that certain people's IPs have already voted when they haven't. So I got to talk to the uh, poll provider to see what's going on there. And my apology for the uh, malfunction. Uh, Next week is uh, Kung Fu Panda. I have not seen that. What? My initial reaction to every kid's movie is like, a negative gut reaction, but then I remember movies like The Incredibles that completely surprise me yeah, and are very good. So I'll keep an open mind on that. And then um, remaining nominees for August uh, from listener J.G. Henry are Contact, Passengers, the 2016 movie, Silverado, All the President's Men, Roxanne, The American President, or of course you can reject the list and vote for a randomly selected top-rated movie instead. And as a reminder, if you'd like to read my movie reviews, comment how wrong I am, submit your own rating, vote for the next movie, and sign up for the chance to be the movie nominator for the month, the one and only place to do it is in my weekly movie review column linked in the description and on the homepage of the website. That is mattchristensenmedia.com. All right, time to get to our chatters. Okay. I got plenty over on Rumble. Wait, before we go, my dad's doing the hard work for us. He said, I watched that video close up. That's not his dong. It's a white stripe up on the front of his jockstrap. You think so? So Papa Blonde has done the work that nobody else wanted to do and has concluded in his medical experience that that is not true. And I got to that point. It would be weird if ABC was allowed it inadvertently having a floppy you know, <laughs> floppy, whatever, hanging out in the video that's on their site. So right, maybe, maybe just, murder wasn't justified. And it does look like when I looked at it, this, the, what I thought to be flesh on what might be his dick, it does look lighter than the rest of his skin tone. So that would be an oddity too. Mm. But, uh, but I, I, given the behavior, I'm still not convinced. I think that there are oddities and complications in play with this particular case. Okay. Anyway, thank you for the, uh, investigation blonde's dad i appreciate that it's important work uh hottie twerkman says i was going to buy a 
hot pink Jeezy tea until Elon showed me I can express the desire of my authentic self while pretending to be a proud Canadian. Oh, I, that was his um, viral shirt where he was saying, I heart Canada, but he was wearing a blazer or something over it. So it looked like it said, I heart anal. Clever. <laughs> Anna Hitch says for the fiance, Dr. McCullough has recommended Nato Kinase. How, do you know how to pronounce that? Must be some kind of Japanese medicine or something being used in a Japanese trial for successful removal of spike proteins. It's it's an herbal amino acid. Dr. McCullough mentioned it in your interview blonde. Yeah, it was in the preliminary research stages when he mentioned it in the interview, but apparently uh, based on what another chatter told me a few months ago, it's come along and it does seem promising. Uh, I don't know how to say the name. Uh, he might be a good guy. To, it seems like he's reasonably responsive. If you try to get in touch with him to the uh, mm-hmm. super chatter that we were mentioning earlier, maybe you could talk. Oh, that's to true. Him. He does do private um, online. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consultations. Yeah, there it know. is on yeah. the nose. Uh, I think they cost $300. That might be a worthwhile investigation. Yeah, he could probably help you out. He's up to date on current research. So. Addicted to drums says LK99 real. Yes or no. I have to plead ignorance. I don't know what that is, but I look it up and it's apparently some kind of superconductor. Hmm. Do you know what that is? What is it? LK-99. Um, it's a potential room temperature superconductor. Okay. So this would, I suppose, revolutionize how things like your computer chips and all sorts of electronics operate. Interesting. But I don't I couldn't tell you anything about whether it's real or not. That's uh, mm-hmm. outside my wheelhouse addicted to drums. But thank you, as always, for your uh, for your support for the show. Uh, Raymond Donovan is gay. He's back. He wants me to say the word urban dictionary definition of this N word variant. A really cute name for any dog, an affectionate way to refer to your puppy. See, completely wholesome. Well, it starts with N and it rhymes with dog. I'll tell you that much. Thank you, Raymond Donovan. JD1492, NASCAR is another one of those 50-plus-year-old institutions collapsing. He should join Formula Drift 20,000-plus uh, on a live stream. Yeah, I don't... NASCAR is one of those institutions where it's like, who do you think your your audience is? Uh, it's like when they went all in with the Black Lives Matter stuff and the... Uh, who was the NASCAR... Bubba Wallace, the, the noose hoaxer in NASCAR? They're all behind yes. him and they made a big show yeah. of him. Who do you think watches NASCAR? Uh, you don't understand your uh, audience, but then again, I mean, it's probably it's it's the Bud Light mistake, generally speaking. Shadow Band. He also looked into it and told me that she was fifteen. Oh, so your dad did. Yeah. So it was there was like this kind of weird angle to it. Uh, I'm gonna say that's fine. I'm fine with that. I just don't even even the 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 debate about the age of consent aside. I don't understand what purpose that necessarily introduces into the movie other than to say, that's fine. You might fall in love later if that's the angle they're going for. But you could because it makes their relationship hotter. I don't know. Ah, Well, then I find it even weirder. Like, oh, man, isn't it hot? Because they also did stuff when she was really, really borderline too young. But this is like a female fantasy. Like every girl that I know had some teacher slash priest slash neighborhood dad crush. Uh, yeah, I don't think that makes it right to uh, try to normalize or glorify that sort of relationship. I didn't say right. I said hot. <laughs> okay, thank you for clarifying. 
Shadowban420 says, used to work for a company who shall not be named in 2021 and 22. They penalized us non-vaxxed employees $50 per paycheck if we had signed up for the benefits and were full-time. Anyone know if this is legal? I could not tell you that. I assume... It doesn't sound legal, but... Whoever their insurance company is probably involved in that. Um, Yeah, I have no idea, but... Uh, there's probably uh, you'll, you'll have to find a lawyer to consult to see if that's the case. I wouldn't even know who to refer you to in that case. Some sort of somebody who's really keen on employment law, I would assume. Uh, but good luck on that. And um, and I assume you probably stood up for yourself in that situation. And good on you if you did. We're good over on Rumble. Uh, we're good on Odyssey. Appreciate you guys. Um, and let's see over, uh, we have a new sub on D live lift the veil. Thanks for supporting the show real quick. We also have Beth and Mr. Nargis, uh, Beth and Mr. Nargis supporting the show too. Appreciate you guys. And we're good to hop into YouTube and Tibby stream. Bill says shout out to Sweden for knocking out Rapinoe and the U S women's soccer team. It's nice to see representatives of the anti-white regime lose to a soccer team from a real country. Oh, like Sweden. It has no anti-white narrative. That's preposterous. Sweden's had uh, some issues, but uh, I have respect for Sweden. Number one, for knocking out the U.S. women's soccer team. That's a great achievement. But number two, although it was not perfect, the way that they handled Corona was a lot better than many a lot better. other countries. Yeah. And so I'll respect them for that, too. They still have to deal with their Muslims, though. Uh, Laurel. I'm a collapsitarian, but I think it's inevitable, so I would prefer to get it done while I'm less old than I will be if we wait. I want to get through the other side. I hear you, girl. Megan Rapino has convinced me. I get it. I, I know what it's like to cheer for failure now. can't it's believe great. this was what did it. <laughs> uh, it's just one of those things. It's like it's, it's wrestling. I mean, I will always have patriotism in the sense that I believe this country was founded on the right principles. I think that we've betrayed it in so many ways, but it's weird to... So much of patriotism was just kind of like cheering for our teams and things just cause like that's our team. This is our country. We cheer for them. But now that they kind of hate our country, or at least they hate the anthem or they hate the principles that we're talking about. It's like, who's the real anti-American here? I don't know. Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. Does that make me collapsitarian or does it make me, I, I I'm, I don't believe these commies who sometimes dress themselves up in the American flag for appearances, but don't really believe in it. I don't know. I I think we've lost the camaraderie that makes us all uh, support the same sports team. I think that's gone. It would be nice, but you know, Americans don't have anything in common with one another. I just want to go back to, to the time when nobody knows or cares about what's going on in the women's world cup and the way they played that's right around the corner. Well, nobody knows or cares now. That's true. They, it's just like 5% more than they used to. They really <laughs> push it, man. If you go to like, if you go to ESPN or another sports, what? not all of them, but if you go to ESPN in particular, it's like, you want to see the score of the baseball game? Too bad. You want to see what's going on with NFL training camp? Too bad. Women's soccer is happening right now. Or Seriously? Did, did you know that some chick set the record for most WNBA points? Yes, that's why I came over to ESPN. I wanted to see what the record for WNBA points is. Thank you. I'm sure this, this is doing a whole lot to make men take women more seriously. Right? It's my fault for going to ESPN. Like, what the hell am I doing? It's dumb. It used to be a man's channel. Uh, Citizens yeah. have Jack Smith, it's perfectly legal for Trump to make false statements regarding the 2020 election. Also, Jack Smith, I'm indicting Trump for making false statements about the 2020 election. Yeah. If you want to be uh, strict about the standards that are being set here, it would make sense to go after Jack Smith himself. 
And uh, and Merrick Garland, I mean, Merrick Garland, any day, any any time someone wants to bring an indictment against Merrick Garland, I am grabbing the popcorn and eagerly watching. Semper Ad Meliora, when's the beatdown? This was early in the show. Which beatdown? Uh, yeah, well, the only beatdown that, well, I guess the beat, the only beatdown beatdown that we played was 7-Eleven, but then the one this in predates New York was the beat down. a stabbing. Oh, no, he must be talking about the 7-Eleven one. This predates yeah. the stabbing. Okay. I don't know. Thank you. I but, hope the beating was to your satisfaction, which, sorry, I had to censor so much of it, but you can go it watch it. It truly was. If you haven't watched it, everybody should watch it. It'll make your day a little bit better. And you know, I hate Indians like 3% less. <laughs> They've really earned your respect. Well, it, it made me it made me feel like some people in this country still have it, even if they're from other countries. You know, they got it in their soul. <laughs> it's Blonde's great paradox. Done. But yeah, it's hard not to watch that. Yeah. And I'm I'm clapping and cheering. I'm not literally, but I, inside internally, I'm I'm enjoying this and hoping that uh, more people. Yeah, it takes courage. I mean, th- seriously, it was speaking, a W for property rights. It really oh, was. of course. And if a guy comes into your establishment threatening to shoot you and you don't know what he has on him, it does actually take a lot of balls to intervene in that situation with a freaking stick and kick that guy's ass. Not knowing if he's going Well, still, if the guy's actually if the guy actually has a Glock in his pants, he'll waste both of you in a second if he's at all competent yeah. and they still kicked his ass. That's true. Boogeyman917 says, I doubt it. Killer Manjaro. I pronounce everything correctly, no matter what the locals say. I doubt it. It's not Killer Manjaro. It's actually Killer Monjaro. He's making a point about my my adherence to my own pronunciation of Moscow, Idaho. I don't care. Spud Ruckus says, Matt, it's Rapino, not Rapino. I do the same thing. It looks like Rapino. I've heard Rapino. Rapino. Has she confirmed that? Because everyone I've heard say her name, I've heard Rapino. Oh, really? Now I'm going to investigate. In common hands, there was coke at the White House. A leaked SCOTUS decision, pipe bombs, January 6th. And Georgia Guidestones, Epstein, Las Vegas, Building 7. But I'm the crazy one because you have zero questions. Merch idea. I like it. Thank you. I I do need a merch refresh. Um, So I will be thinking about that in the coming weeks. Okay, so I, I googled Megan Rapino pronounce, and this is the official answer. Megan Rapino. That's what they're telling me. They're saying it's oh, nice. Megan Rapino. Okay. But I don't Screw know. Screw you, Spud Ruckus. Well, here, oh, wait, wait. Here's uh, here, here's actually a better answer. Read one more, and I found a video of Megan Rapino herself. Wait, wait. Ru- shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Sorry, I didn't want that to play. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. Okay, read one more. I'll have this ready to go. Metal rules. No, no. Thank you, sir. Go ahead. Oh, just that, that was it. Pressure's on that fast. Okay, I think I got it. Okay, here is Megan telling us herself. Rapino. Rapino. Hey. So, I guess. Uh, Take that. I guess I was right. And uh, the chatter was wrong. But uh, But no hard feelings. Thank you for supporting the show. You are fake news. Uh, Knuckle Hunky Buck. Um, what are your favorite flavors of chip? I bet Blonde is a real sea salt and vinegar lover. How did you know my mm. favorite? I liked a, I like a turkey sandwich with like lettuce, tomato, onion, a little mayo, a little bit of cheddar cheese, white cheddar cheese, a little bit of, of course. pickle, a little bit of mustard. And then I like to put salt and vinegar chips on it. Sourdough. It's, it's a perfect sandwich. Great story. 
compelling and rich. It does sound yeah, good, yeah. actually. Sounds so good, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't argue with um, salt and vinegar. Uh, mm. Have you had the chip that I'm going to give a shout out to? And I would say that as a general rule, most chips are awesome. There are very few that are genuinely disgusting, except for when they get really bizarre and experimental. Oh, no, I meant all this. But uh, have you had you're familiar with Tim's chips, right? That's oh, yeah. like a, I'm not a monster. I don't know if that's specifically Pacific Northwest. You can get them around here, though. Have you seen their Sasquatch Surprise? No, that Sasqu- sounds like a random animal jizzed on them. <laughs> it might, I don't know. Maybe for all I know. Have, you ever, had, those? have you ever had like Canadian, uh, the all dressed the, that's like Canada's popular flavor? No, it almost tastes like a vinegary, ketchupy barbecue all the flavors. Very, very good. If you like vinegary flavors, you will almost certainly like this. But Sasquatch mm. Surprise is like, to me, is like a very intense all dressed. And Tim's I'm chips tend this. to be like a little thicker and a little crunchier, which I think adds uh, adds to it. Yeah, Tim's uh, Sasquatch Surprise. I think it's called Sasquatch Surprise, at least. It has a Sasquatch on it. Let me see Sasquatch if I can find it. Sasquatch Tim's. I'm like running out of time and I'm like, I'm going to do this chip. Yeah, it's Sasquatch Surprise special batch. Okay, I have to buy a variety pack to get these, so they better be worth it. You could probably find them at your at stores around town because they have those here. Okay. They're like they're I'm in. they're not always available, but whenever we see them, we buy them. Um Eric Nervik, greetings, Matt and Blonde. My wife and I had our first child on Friday, but she suffered an infection and had to go to intensive care. Any prayers appreciated so we can bring her home by next weekend. Thanks. I'm sorry to hear that. I assume you mean that she had choreo amniosis, amniitis, or that she had some post-birth infection. Those are usually well controlled through antibiotics. So it's good that she caught it and that she's in hospital and I'm sure they'll take care of it and then everything will be fine. Congratulations. All the best to your family and special recognition for being an Eric with a K, the proper Nordic spelling. Oh, David Koresh Matthews band. Oh, my wife and I just had a miscarriage. I'm still in shock and she's been pretty devastated. Any Mm. advice and prayers would be appreciated. God bless everyone. So I, when I had a miscarriage a year and three months ago, I was so devastated. And my brother kept telling me like, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. This is fine. This is nature taking care of business. And it made me want to punch him in the face. However, over time that had, that began to like really reassure me, you know, like my body, even though it feels like my body's making a mistake, my body is actually it's saving me from a worse fate. And now that I'm pregnant and I'm worried about other obstetrical complications, I reflect on my miscarriage and I'm like, that's not the worst pregnancy outcome that could happen. It's not. So I know when you're in it, it's like the most devastating thing that's ever happened. But when you have your next baby, you'll look at your baby and be like, this is the baby I'm supposed to have. And it'll help you get through any residual trauma that you might have from the miscarriage. So I'm so sorry this is happening to you but it will get easier and there will come a time where you don't think about it at all. If that's any conversation. Yeah. I know uh, tough times are best endured through strong families and you know, you guys stick together. You will get past this. I have no doubt. And uh, I'm really sorry to hear it, but uh, I I'm sure blonde is right that there are uh, wonderful things in your future. And I'm sure um, your family will, will find exactly what you're supposed to find. It's all the best. And thanks for supporting the show. Yep. Also, it's so common. That made me feel better, too. It's yeah. a, a third of pregnancies end in miscarriage. So. 
uh, Life Sanders. Life Sanders, according to Nate, the lawyer, the USWNT will receive 7.5 plus a million in benefits from US soccer since they share winnings with USMNT. What are these acronyms for? Oh, is that Women's the case? National yeah, the national team. Tournament team. So, so, they, <laughs> so I have to correct. If that's the case, well, I'll fake news myself. <laughs> that means Rapino's equal, equal pay gambit did actually pay off, that they drastically underperformed. You are fake news. And they're still going to get something closer to, they're not going to get what the men make, obviously, but something close to it. That's outrageous. Um, I haven't seen that, but I'm not saying he's wrong. He he very well could be right on that. Thanks the for winning the team of the women's WC will only receive four million dollars. Uh, yeah. Hungry about the redacted portion of Obama's letter was Matt and I once made love. Yes, it's true. Before Matt was born, he made love. Oh, I, you fucking bitch. I think that's a part of Obama's book. <laughs> Injured guardian. I guess you could say that the store employee was seek. And tired of all the thievery. Ha ha ha. Always ha. delivering. That is uh that is a joke of uh of hunky bucky and quality. <laughs> so thank you for that. Mighty Sebastian Blonde, Russia backs Julius Malema. Putin is a third world shill. Patrick Casey debated his topic on his restoring order channel. Putin is not our friend. Hmm. You know, I still trust Putin, so I have to think that if he really does back Julius Malema. Maybe I should give Julius Malema another another think, another look, right? I'm just joking, <laughs> everyone. If 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 Malema's tight with Putin, there's got to be a reason. Yeah, uh, I'll look into that though. Jordan S. If everyone took the seek approach, shoplifting, the issue would solve itself in yeah. short order. I know, I love it. You should have fear it. and regret, and currently we are lacking in mechanisms to uh, <sighs> to realize those things. So, yeah, a lot of respect to those guys. Angel of, what do I, how do I, or how do I say this? I think it's RN Jesus. Oh, I was like ringangus. Yeah. <laughs> Some sort of uh, combination of RNG and Jesus. Oh, sorry. Sorry, dude. I just shot all over your super chat. Hey, Matt and Blanche, today's my 25th birthday. I got me thinking a lot of my past selves. You could tell you from 10 years ago, one thing. Ugh. What would you say to that you? Hmm. Oh, God. I was so hung up on this dude. He's never going to love you. Get over it and move on. Go out with somebody else. Yeah. Uh, I would say make sure you're doing everything with purpose. And generally speaking, if if you're not aimed towards family, if you're not aimed towards a wife and children as a man, not always. I'm not saying everyone, but certainly for me and my past self. If you're not aiming for that, you are aimless and the things that you're doing are not worthwhile. So start to focus on that. Um, But I, too, there was a lot of time in my life that I wasted on people who were not the right person for me. And by that, I mean, I wasted too much energy, focus, time. Uh, I would tell myself, I suppose, recognize when that person is not right and have the strength and courage to move on in, uh, in good terms. Be a nice, respectful guy. Don't be mean. Don't be vindictive. I don't think I was. But don't just linger on thinking that uh, one day this thing that's not really serving any purpose is suddenly going to start serving a purpose unless you drive and direct totally. it. Totally. I just, um, I was and as ma- an extension of that, don't try to change people because they yeah. just won't change. I was a man, at least in my personal life and to some extent in my professional life, just sitting around waiting for things to happen to me. Yeah, I'm sure my wife will come around. Yeah, I'm sure that awesome job and a raise will come around. 
Never happened. Those things didn't happen until I decided to make them happen. And, uh, you know, luckily I, I feel like I realized that early enough by about age 30, but I think a mindset more oriented that way would have benefited me when I was 25 totally. or so. Totally. Yeah. Yep. Um, Phil, anyone else tired of tokens telling whites to quit caring about race? Clearly our enemies want us destroyed and our color blindness is a handicap. The best time to take our own side was decades ago. The second best time is now. Yes. I, I find this infuriating. Every other group of people is allowed to have racial affinity racial pride, acknowledgement of their race and what their race has accomplished and contributed to the world and to history, except for white people. And I don't even like this concept of white people. It doesn't really exist. What an Italian have in common with an Irishman? Like, fuck all. I, I just, I hate, I hate this so much. Yes, that pisses me off, Phil. I just hope it's Phil versus Malema personally when the, uh, <laughs> when the war comes. I want to, hand to hand, yeah. let's go. I want to watch that one. <sighs> Chubby Subby Pence held no such power, yet Dems immediately clarified the role of the VP through legislation to be ceremonial. Sure sounds like it was clearly not. Yeah, maybe. I, I would like to read a little bit more about that. When I say that it's fringe, I mean that like few people believe this to be the case. Um, yeah. I have not done a lot of reading on, on it myself. Uh, I know that historically that has not been the case, obviously. We've not seen a vice president unilaterally stop the uh the vote certification and i have a hard time believing that's the constitutional intent that would be so much power vested in the vice president it would seem to be just nonsensical and contrary to what is otherwise a division of power a decentralization of power and in the constitutional design power reserved to the states generally speaking this would concentrate power in one officer of the federal government yeah. Um, that said, I do know that they are very, very hostile with this theory, like discussing this theory is borderline criminal now. And so I that makes me interested to learn more about it. Why can't we even discuss it? Uh, I would like to know. And I've not done a lot of reading about it. Well, unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Here, here. That's Isaiah mm. 520. Yep. Thank you, Tortuga. Appreciate it. Bill Biz, do you think there would have been as much backlash had Malema chant, chanted, substituted the word Israel for boar? I think people would have freaked out. Although, if black people did it, it not in our country. Well, it, de I, there are, it depends on which crowd, you know? I mean, there's, there's certain crowds, uh, and I don't even mean like... Um, like dissident political crowds. I mean, like the squad faction of Congress that would be like, yeah, this guy, love him. I don't know that that would be, I think there would be strong back. I think it would be very split, I guess. <laughs> like there would be a lot. That's true. I think there'd be a lot Although, of people. Do you remember what happened to Nick Cannon? Yeah, I don't remember other than like he said some stuff about the Jews. But it wasn't like that bad, you know? I don't remember what crazy. he said. I don't know. And what happened to Kanye, but those are American blacks. I think that there would be more leeway international blacks more exotic yeah they're a little more exotic than our blacks i think jordan s by indicting trump they're allowing him and his lawyers the power of subpoena to litigate the entire 2020 election in open court and to convict they'll have to prove zero election fraud occurred good luck with that no yeah i wonder i guess i don't know how this will play out um I suppose if, if the defense is able to introduce evidence about election fraud to say, here's what Trump believed and here's the evidence of it. 
Yeah, would there be like some sort of burden on the prosecution to show that no fraud occurred? It's a weird burden of proof, I guess, is what I'm saying. You must prove this negative that no fraud happened. I don't think you can do that. That's not typically how the burden of proof yeah. exists. I don't know how that'll play out, uh, but there's no doubt that the burden of proof for the prosecution is very, very high in this case. And just as importantly as it, just as important as it is when Jack Smith uses the word knowingly. Um, over and over in the indictment. Uh, he also uses the phrase something like outcome altering election fraud. It's not just election fraud. It's election fraud that was substantial enough to change the outcome uh, or the result. So the words he's choosing are specific and important. Um, so even if they like, I don't think that the prosecution is going to come and try to prove that no fraud occurred. They're going to say it didn't exist in a volume that would have changed the result. Mm. Yeah, but it's going to be a mess for the prosecution. I, I certainly, oh, yeah. I don't know how, it, at least in any honest court, it would be, but this is going to be DC. And so uh slam dunk case, as far as they're concerned, most honest court in the history of courts. No one can question otherwise. Yeah. Knuckle honky buck. Sharpton wasn't claiming it was, uh, it would be crazy to read about presidents overthrowing the government. He was trying to wrap his head around what it's like to read. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that here I'm thinking the crazy concept is him walking around his neighborhood and not seeing people of similar criminal credentials. But yeah, the concept of Al Sharpton um, reading history at all is quite <laughs> quite absurd. I take your point. Phil says, isn't it great how a former president's fate is in the hands of a spiteful paper American? It's also tiresome. Paper uh, are we talking about Jack Smith or are we talking about somebody else? What's uh, is Jack am I, Smith? Am I retarded? It, what's Jack? I, I, I didn't think he had some kind of immigration history or something, but maybe I don't know. Or maybe Phil's referring to somebody else. Does he mean like a like a an, an uh, American citizen who wasn't naturalized in America? I don't know. You're talking about Obama? Oh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. There are a lot of uh, puppeteers pulling the strings around here, I'm sure. Humble radish farmer. Um, oh my gosh, it's day forty. I better go pick up Emma. Um, I hope they televise a Trump trial. It'll be like CNN airing his rallies live and uncut in, in twenty fifteen. Backfire on them bigly. The DA, Mister Trump, he wanted to run Democrats out of the Capitol. President Trump, only Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> she needs the exercise. Yeah, they don't want unfiltered Trump. They don't. To some extent, maybe they they're asking for that if they want the trial televised, though, of course, Trump will be filtered by the proceedings, I suppose. And even if he's on the stand, he's going to be filtered by the questions of the of his lawyers and the prosecution at the direction of the judge. Yeah. So none of it will be like true rally Trump uh, of 2016 era, 2015. But yeah, I mean, those the. the the guy, for whatever you think of him, he has an, uh, such a talent for just riffing with a crowd and really getting a crowd going. Um, you know, I think I think Obama had a similar talent for the performance of politics in a completely different way, like stylistically, yeah. totally different. But they both were masters of sort of the celebrity politician. And uh, and I don't think anybody's going to beat that this time around in the Republican Party, at least. All right. On that note, I'm going to dip out, go get my kid. Okay. So late. Good to uh, see you guys. I will see you next week. Have all right. Uh, have a good night. And I will finish out the chat, guys. Uh, let's see. Where did we leave off? 
I think Knuckle Hunky Box up next. If you're not the owner of your body and you are just renting from God, is you will own nothing and you will be happy a Bible verse. <laughs> yeah, I think this was like more metaphorical than, uh, was it the World Economic Forum that said that? Or who were the evil geniuses behind that one? They meant quite literally you will own nothing rather than sort of a metaphor for for your relationship with God. But uh, yeah, point taken. Uh, they certainly might... Uh, they might try to twist C.S. Lewis's reasoning in their favor. I can see it. Killer Mongero. Why does Barbie never get pregnant? Because Ken always comes in a separate box. Thoughtful. Whoops, that was the... I meant the sad trombone. Shotgun action doesn't fit. Sorry about that. Wicked RCL. My favorite greeting between me and all my Xbox buddies is yo 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 how do the knees grow careful also i can't let y'all forget that the little paper trail on a hershey's kiss <laughs> this one i can say uh it, that's called a niggly wiggly that's true uh that's, he said the n-word that one is perfectly uh, above board that is the technical term according to uh, according to hershey i know that for a fact Let's see. Uh, I think we're all set on YouTube and Tippy. Just a few on Rumble here. The Hillbilly Deluxe says, in the timeline for Indiana Jones, it was necessary to have a wedge driven in the relationship between Indy and Abner Ravenwood, Marion's dad. It's also, and also between Indy and Marion. Uh, this provides the uh, UST. Okay, so it was, it was, you had to have some kind of conflict there. I could see it serving that point. I still, um, if, if the nature of this illicit relationship was that she was underage and that's how they create the necessary conflict to provide for the whatever decades time apart, whatever it is. I mean, I still have to acknowledge that the plot goes in the direction of it's okay that we had this illicit relationship prior because now it's all patched up and we love each other. So see your abuser can become your lover, whatever term, whatever they become. I don't know, ma'am. It's just, it's a little weird. I don't really, uh, I, I have to be a little bit skeptical of the intent behind that storyline if that's the direction that they're going. But uh, Hillbilly Deluxe also says, after thinking about it again, it's not just UST, unresolved sexual tension. It provides the impetus to resolve the love-hate feelings Marion has for Indy. Yeah, if that if that's, again, I mean, that's that's the point that I was just, that I was just getting at. It's like, it's a way of saying, yeah, that was bad that it happened before, but isn't it okay now? And uh, depending on exactly what it was that happened before, it might not be okay now. Or maybe we shouldn't suggest that it's okay now. But it's so, um, it, the the plot and the script, they're so unclear about what exactly happened that I don't want to give the impression that like this is for sure the correct understanding. I just thought it was so weird that it seems implied and then Wikipedia tells you it was an illicit relationship. Uh, but... I think that'll, uh, on that note, on that sort of bizarre note, that'll probably end it here. Oh, we do have, um, I think, a few more over on. Oh, yeah, there are a few more over on Tippy and, and YouTube. Let's see. Actually, I got to go way down here. Okay, yeah. Mojack420 uh, got caught at a green light by critical mass. The bicycle... <laughs> The bicycle homos in San Francisco. I ended up getting out of my car, grabbing the one blocking the intersection and and bowling him into the pack felt so good. No way. You actually physically intervened with the bicyclists in San Francisco. I uh, next time get a video. I want to see this. If that's true, congratulations. And of course, all the best with your treatment and recovery, Mojack. 
Chimp in a Bowtie says the silence of healthcare authorities to the global excess deaths exceeding the quote unquote pandemic and the complete lack of interest in investigating maladies resulting or related to the jab is too much to take. But people seem not uh, just not to care. I don't know a lot about the excess deaths. I'll have to look into that. But it would not surprise me to learn that that's the case, that we have uh, a surplus of deaths beyond what is expected unexplained. No one knows what's causing it. Now, in fairness, it, it certainly could be uh, an injection of unspecified nature. But there were also all sorts of things that we did during the pandemic that could cause the air quotes pandemic that could cause excess deaths too. We, we discouraged people from visiting the doctor. We encouraged people to live unhealthy lives, uh, people getting less exercise, potentially eating more, eating less quality food. All sorts of things that made conditions that people were developing already had worse. Um, I could believe it even beyond just the uh, the injection and uh, that there are reasons that that would be the case. Raggle Fraggle says, hey, Matt, uh, the poll in your movie review page says I participated even though I have it and I'm using my phone, not on Wi-Fi. Could you look into that? Um, I add a five wiki vote. For, I can't add a vote for you, but um you're welcome for C.S. Lewis. Glad he affected you as much as he did me. Yeah, um, on the on the uh, on the vote, it's it's you know as I noted, there's just something going on with their IP check, and I have to speak with the poll company, the poll service provider, about why that is. Because the only other thing I can do is just turn off the IP check, and if I turn off the IP check, then anybody can vote as much as they want, and the whole thing is fortified once again. So for now, I have to leave the security checks in place and I'll speak with them and see if we can get that resolved. Hopefully they'll take care of that in the next week or two and we'll be back uh, in business. Thanks for supporting the show. Knuckle Hunkybox says someone who types would be or someone who, who types would like typist memes. Someone who plays guitar would like guitarist memes. How can they expect someone to race cars and not like racist memes? That is... That is a deep cut, man. Knuckle Hunky Buck, you have outdone yourself on that one because I didn't know where you were going, but it got there. That that one that one's next level. That is uh that is the 4D chess of jokes. Also says that's it. I've had it with these motherfucking raiders on this motherfucking arc. Yeah, I'm, I I think there are connections between the movie, uh, between the movies, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Snakes on a Plane. That is. Fractal Insight says the story of the movie places Marion as underage um, when they had their first sexual relations. For more black pills, read what Steven Spielberg said about their relationship. Did Spielberg comment? Interesting. The the plot thickens. I'm going to have to check this out. I didn't know that was the case. Thank you for the insight. Das Pooch says, Matt, I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but your Asperger's precludes any ability to enjoy unrealistic escapist entertainment. May God have mercy on your soul. No, come on. The, some of the things about that well of souls are just silly. It's like, oh man, this is the most hidden location of all time. Nobody has nobody's seen this in centuries. What a shame that we've been sealed inside in the absence of light and a million snakes around us. Oh, I know. I'll just walk out in this very convenient door that nobody noticed for all this time for some reason. That scene in particular is completely preposterous. And if you I'm open to the argument otherwise, but it is not just you have Asperger's. You have to explain how any of that makes sense to you. But I'm open to uh, I'm open to the explanation. Of course, thanks for supporting the show. Knuckle Hunky Box says Indians have always known how to stand up and handle their own SH. Sometimes it can cause a mess in the bathroom that. <laughs> That's true. They are uh, not shy about that particular thing, or so I'm told. 
Fractal Insight says, in the transcripts of the 1978 story meetings, George Lucas and Spielberg originally wanted Marion to be even younger, 11 or 12, in, in order to make the plot more promiscuous. I haven't heard that either. I'm going to have to look into this because it definitely came off as weird to me. But, um, you know, supposedly there's a, if not innocent explanation, an innocent adjacent explanation. And you're reading too much into it if you think that it's it's trying to push a particular shady agenda. Uh, I'm interested to know. I got to look this up. But uh, that will have to do that. I'll have to do off air and learn about it on my own time because we are all set. That will do it uh, as a show for the evening. Let me give a quick refresh just to make sure I don't miss anybody. Looks like we're good on Rumble. Thank you guys. We're good on Odyssey. Thank you guys. Thank you guys on DLive. And thanks to everybody on YouTube and Tippy Stream as well. We are all set. So that will be a show for the evening. Thank you to everybody who tuned in live. Thank you for your chats. Thank you for your super chats. Thank you for uh, keeping us in touch with the facts as we try to decide whether that uh, crazy guy in New York City actually had his genitals hanging out or not, among other mysteries. Very much appreciated. And um, if you are listening on demand later, thank you kindly as well for tuning in and supporting the show. If you'd like more to listen to, if you can't get enough, of course, there is more listening material on the podcast platforms of the show. Head on over to the website, mattchristiansonmedia.com slash podcasts, and you'll find all sorts of stuff to listen to there. Speaking of anything else show related, mattchristiansonmedia.com. And once again, I would like to thank our guests for the evening, Sean and Rachel Bonet. Appreciate their insight and appreciate their courage. We'll be back next Sunday, because if it's Sunday, sorry, Chuck Todd, it's not Meet the Press. It is the Matt and Blonde Show. Have a great night.